0: All right, my first guest in the Motocross the Nations uh, special show is a guy who rode for the for the country twice and the six-time AMA national champion. Now uh, one of the big wigs at Dunlop Tires, and that would be none other than Brock Glover. Uh, Brock, how you doing? Uh, good, Steve. Thanks. Thanks for, uh, for having me on. Yeah, thanks for doing this. You know, I, I wanted to get you on because you have a real interesting story, and we'll get to that in a second. But uh, basically, uh, in honor of the upcoming. Team America Motocross Nations in France. I wanted to talk to a few guys who have uh, been there, done that. Now, in in you've done it twice. Uh, uh, let's t- let's go with the first year, 1983. No longer is it a Honda stranglehold on the on the team, and uh, and you get to go. You get selected. W- were you surprised in '83 at your selection, or was it sort of one of those things where they said, "Hey, like obviously you're one of the top racers in the country," but were you surprised nevertheless to get picked?
1: Um. Actually, not to sound – no, I really wasn't. Okay, yeah I, I, yeah. I think if you had to take the top <clears throat> four guys in the country in 83, I would have to put myself into that, uh, into that mix.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, I was just wondering if, it, if you knew it was going to be another all-Honda team or if they let you know early that, hey, we're, we're going to just select, you know, the four best guys instead of, you know, the whole Honda team like the last two years.
1: Yeah, well, it, how it kind of is I think it was 77, maybe 78. The mm-hmm. Americans sent a couple of teams. I think it was, uh, gosh, I can't remember all the guys that were on it, but I think Hannah was on one year. Mm-hmm. Maybe guys like Semix and a few other guys went over there. Uh, you know, they didn't do too bad. I think they were third or fourth overall or something like that. And mm-hmm. then uh, it just seemed like, you know, there just wasn't that much interest from the United States side and the AMA side. So there wasn't a team that was sent over for the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, with some – Strong encouragement to the big Bel-Ray distributor in Europe, a guy named Tour Kuhn, was also a good friend of uh, Roger DeCoster's from Belgium. And, uh, you know, they were really putting a lot of pressure going, you guys, come on, you're yeah. America, you've got to send a team. And I and I, I agree. I right. agree that we need to send a team. So uh, nobody from the factories over here, they just kind of looked at it as an added expense, and it was a European exposure, and they didn't really feel like sending a team. They had 101 excuses, but mm-hmm. the bottom line was when Honda stepped up, builded a team, uh, you know, it, it was really neat. Roger put it together. It was all Team Honda riders. They went over there and did something that nobody, you know, I mean, if you named all the top factory riders, maybe one or two of the guys were on the team that year. There yeah. were a couple of guys that nobody
2: expected to do right. as well as
1: they did. Overachieved, won the thing, big surprise to everybody, and uh, ended up coming back and winning both the Motocross Donations which, Motocross which was 500cc two, you know, two-stroke bikes, and then the following week in his trophy to nations, which was the 250cc bike, and they won yeah. both. So. So by doing so, I think it was the right thing to do. The next year, the uh, AMA said, hey, listen, you know, Honda, you guys were the only ones that stepped up. If you guys want to do it again next year, we'll let you do it in the right. second row. And it's kind of like letting them run the number one plate again. So they did that, and they also won uh, back-to-back years uh, doing that again. So yeah. that kind of started, started the interest in the United States. Everybody jumped on board, and then the following year they said, okay, now we're going to kind of everybody. Open it up. Yep, field our A team, and we went over there and uh, – First year was the motocross the nations in '83. I was a won the 1,500 cc championship and was uh, uh, felt like a pretty good 250 rider also. And we went over in Belgium and ended up winning uh, both the motocross and then went the following week to Czechoslovakia and won the trophy of the nations there.
0: It was uh, yourself, Mark Barnett, Jeff Ward, and Bailey. So, Correct. I mean, yeah, what a what a super team, <laughs> pretty <Yeah>. much. <laughs>
1: It was a fun team, you know. And besides, just all of us being kind of rivals, but also friends, it was one one rider basically from the four main manufacturers mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah, uh, it, it was nice to have each each team, uh, you know, each manufacturer was ri- uh, represented by one of the riders on the team, and so it worked out well for everybody.
0: Uh, now, with the with, with like you said, sort of the underdogs of Honda going over there and winning twice. I mean, did did you feel pressure because you know, like we just said, you guys are. Are the super team? Did you feel it? Were you uh, were you a little uh, stressed out? Um, you know, for me, I was just you know personally, I was kind of the guy.
1: I pushed myself, you know, mm-hmm. I always did. So I, you know, I didn't. I, I think there was a little bit of added, um, I guess, enthusiasm, added uh, a little bit of added stress. But I guess the desire for one, you didn't want to let the country down. You didn't mm-hmm. want to let your teammates down. And, and besides that, I mean, uh, to me, it was. I don't want to say. Losing wasn't an option, but it kinda wasn't an option. We weren't gonna <laughs> Yeah. We were just flat out we weren't gonna let it happen. And uh from the gate the time that gate dropped on the first moto, I, I ended up being the guy that, you know, ended up winning the first moto and it kinda set the precedent and we mm-hmm. had a couple other guys right up there and and uh, you know our momentum carried all that week and through the week and in Czechoslovakia.
0: Yeah, and I was just reading about this race the other day in an old motocross action magazine. Uh and the bomber even had a had a shock problem on his RM five hundred. And he was more of a 125 guy, but still, they, they sent him over there. So even with, uh, do you remember the format? Did they drop one score or two scores? You know,
1: I think uh, how they did it was you qualified <coughs> as a team. Mm-hmm. And there was an A final and a B final. And the A final consisted of the fastest, the best 10 teams. Uh, in in the, mm-hmm. And we, you know, it was the nine, nine teams had to qualify, the reigning champions, which luckily for us were the or the U.S., we, uh, we got to, uh, uh, you know, not have to do some qualifying sessions. Yeah. And so, yeah, we had ten, uh, ten teams, four-man teams, so there were 40 guys lined up on the gate, and, uh, and that's how it went. And yeah. I believe that we dropped, uh, I think there was the six best scores counted.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, the six best out of uh, eight. Eight. Yeah. Right. Um, <clears throat> what do you remember from the race itself? How did you do second moto? And, uh, I mean, how was it? was it? Was it pretty much a cakewalk? It seemed like it in the magazines.
1: It was, uh, for me, it was very, very interesting, you know, and it's there's always going to be, you know, little ups and downs and controversies mm-hmm. and stuff. And, and, you know, at the time, I remember being kind of mad at Roger because, uh, you know, I was the reigning 500cc champion, mm-hmm. had, a, you know, I want to say an easy time winning the championship, but I was certainly our most accomplished 500cc rider. Right. First race on 500cc bikes, you know, we hand out the number plates, you know, one through four, and I get number four. And then right. when you come down to pick on the gate, We get lucky and draw number 10 out of 10 teams. So we're dead dead last pick, dead last pick. So, you know, one, two, three, four, five, all the way up to the 10th rider. Our first rider lines up. And Roger says, okay, that's going to be David. And I'm like, David? Okay. (laughs) And then the next guy who's going to pick is going to be, it was Jeff or Mark. I was like, okay. And then so you're you're not kidding, right? I'm the 40th guy going to pick out of 40 riders. Yeah. And, the start was a short right hand uphiller and I'm on the outside left and I'm like Roger why would you do that he goes because you're the best rider and so you can get all the way up as far as you can I'm like yeah but I might <laughs> you know a bad start gives me the throw out why don't yeah. give me a chance to win the thing right, right. I could so, see his uh, thinking
0: though I could see his both I see both sides I see both sides
1: Yeah and I'm thinking give me a chance to get the whole shot run away with both the motos here and right. let it have let me have a chance and yeah. so so, uh, lo and behold, we're sitting over there just off the English Channel in, in kind of central western Belgium, and here comes a storm, and I'm riding this 500cc Yamaha that has a piston that's a 92-millimeter. The thing was already known for detonating,
0: Yeah.
1: And, and it starts loading up on the starting line. Oh, and yeah. uh, literally starts loading up like it's going to style a plug. Yeah. And so, luckily, I mean, I was mechanical enough to kind of understand all that stuff. I'd grown up with the Honda Elsinore bikes and things. And, uh-huh kind of knew about, you know, what you could do about it. And there was an old trick on the old Honda Elsinors when they first came over that if the bike started loading up like that, you just turn the petcock off, let the thing run low on fuel in the carburetor, and then it would lean out, clean up, and then you'd hit the petcock, and away you go. So lo and behold, that's the trick I use on the starting line and the bike about literally they're getting ready to turn the card sideways. The card goes sideways. My bike cleans out. I flip the petcock off, grab a gear, Drops the clutch, gate, drop the clutch, and I hole shot the thing oh, or come, right
0: really? up first of, oh, up the
1: fortieth pick. Wow! And oh, <laughs> I walk away, walk away, win the moto. <laughs> or come back in, and Rogers like, see, like I'm a genius. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he and I, I still laugh about it to this day. I was so mad at you. I'm still mad at you for that. And yeah. then the next moto, lo and behold, it rains. Like starts raining like uh-huh. it always does in Belgium. And and I remember. Um, you know, I think even David had some roll-off trouble. We all had kind of goggle problems. I got about a mid-pack start. There were uh-huh. two or three big pile-ups in the first couple of corners. And by the time I came through, I think I finished eighth, ninth, something like that. And, and, and I don't even remember if we counted my moto or not, because all, all right. my the teammate guys, I think maybe Mark had a shot problem, but the rest of the guys, maybe we counted it, maybe we didn't. I don't remember.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so here's where the, the funny thing is, and people, uh, younger guys who are listening to this may not realize this, you guys, like you said, you had a trophy to the nations of 250 cc's, it was the next weekend, you all stayed back in Europe, and uh, good, good luck trying to get that to happen nowadays, but uh, uh, what was that like, what would you guys do in between, in between, uh, in between races? yeah out? I mean
1: we we hung out at a, uh, a place I still remember it was south of Brussels called shape right outside of shape which is the supreme headquarters of Allied powers of Europe <laughs> okay. and it's a big military uh, base kind of like the United Nations uh-huh. so there were lots of people that spoke English in that little area we hung out at the hotel for two or three days and uh, yeah all, you know we all You know, all the riders were hung out together, stayed together, did everything together, played some tennis, did, you know, maybe went jogging, did a few things here and there. Mm -hmm. And uh, guys worked on the bikes, got them ready that, you know, for the 500s were over, and now the 250s were time to get prepped. And we uh, loaded on up and we drove on from uh, across Europe to Czechoslovakia, which at the time was a complete Iron Curtain, Russian controlled communist country. So that was uh, Yeah, different times. uh, Yeah, very different times. I remember it was just after the. Koreans, uh the airliner had been shot down by the Russians and that was a big controversy and uh and uh it was uh, you know, kinda of tense times, believe it or not. So we went into Czechoslovakia and uh kinda of dominated the practice sessions. Uh, our big rivals at the time were the Belgians, you know, they had they had all three world championships. Uh, they had Andre Malherbe and George mm-hmm. Drabet and uh and uh Eric Gabor. They had all three number one plates for the world championships out of one country and so for us to come over there and go up against those guys was a, a lot of fun. and uh,
0: Yeah. And, came
1: out on top again.
0: and you want to talk about a super team of Belgians. There you go. You know what I mean? Those are legends um, over there. Yep. Uh, uh, so tr- what was the track like in Checo? How was it?
1: It was a really, really neat track. It was one of the most uh, technical, I mean, up and down the side of these mountains that were just almost cliffs and, you know, literally downhill, turning on the sides of them. Like if you missed the line, you slid all the way to the bottom of the hill and very, very technical, and it worked right in my, uh, for me, it worked mm-hmm. well for me because I kind of grew up practicing the track with a guy like Marty Smith and some other guys back in a place called Sorrento Valley just out of San Diego that we all rode, and just for the fun of it, we'd make tracks like that. So uh, for me, it worked out real well, and I ended up winning the first moto there. And uh, I think the second, I think Barnett, I think Mark Barnett, and I don't mm-hmm. remember how everybody finished, but I know in the third, second moto, uh, George Bay and Barnett and myself had a great battle for mm-hmm. the uh, – Battle for the second moto there, and uh, it was—we uh, ended up, uh, I think, kind of winning that one fairly comfortable, too. Yeah,
0: yeah. When I read the magazine story, it looked like that one was even more of a more of a walk away from it. Um, the uh, uh, the trophy for the race is pretty unique and cool, huh?
1: Oh yeah, I still have that thing, and and uh, it's—they uh, just Czechoslovakia is known for crystal, uh-huh. and uh, they just have the most beautiful handmade crystals, and I. I still have a lot of it at my house, and uh, I mean, even back then, not only did you, tra- you know, you went over there and win a winner trophy that they had that was absolutely beautiful, this big crystal vase that was probably you know two feet tall, mm-hmm. but also, but also, you know, we were trading things like Levi's and and you know for literally you know for you know sets of six and eight champagne glasses of all hand cut crystal, and like I have tons of this crystal at my house, and for. Just for kicks, my wife took one one down one time and just goes, hey, could you look at this and kind of appraise it, or what do you mm-hmm. think this is worth? And the guy just laughed. He said, this is the most unbelievable piece of crystal I've ever seen in my life. He said, this would have taken somebody at least a month to make hand-cut every one of these pieces. He goes, I never put a price on it.
0: Really, said, huh? Wow.
1: Yeah, just hand-cut, yeah. beautiful crystal, yeah. Uh,
0: now, were there, like, guards with machine guns and guards? And, I mean, was it that kind of stuff around there, around, around <laughs> where you were at, like— Oh,
1: my gosh. There was, uh, when they tell the stories of the no-man's land coming across the border, they're yeah, not kidding. There's really, huh? Big giant tower, and there's about a half a mile road right down the middle. And on each side, there's probably another quarter of a mile of nothing but just like a kind of c- closely cut, cropped field on each side. And right down the middle of that field is one little skinny road, dirt road, that they guards patrol back and forth, back and forth. And rumor has it that those on each side of that road is landmines, and there's guys patrolling with machine guns. Mm, when, we, when we came through, we had these, you know, eighteen, twenty-one year old guards with machine guns, you know, yeah. pointing at us, wanting to see our passports. And you know, of course, you know, I remember Johnny, you know, Johnny O'Meara had to say something kind of smart off to him, just kind of under his breath, and the guy just took no liking to that yeah. at all. Yeah, and yeah. You know, like a machine gun is, like, pointing right at him. Jeez. Like, okay, these guys are dead serious.
0: Yeah, <laughs> wow. Just like the movies, right? Like, I can't even picture it. I can't even fathom it, uh-huh. you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And I've been to Checo, and it's just no big deal now. It's just like whatever, but at one time. Yeah. Um, uh, so, okay, so 83 championship went pretty good. 84. You once again went over to represent America, but it was a little different circumstances. Uh, tell us about going to the trophy Designations.
1: Yeah, I mean, I didn't have the greatest year that year in '84. That was a year we rode the we switched over from works bikes to production bikes, and I know David uh, David rode real well, won the 500 championship. I was second, so I was kind of like the fifth man of a four man team. And there was like, well, you know, we sure. You know, Rick Johnson had won the 250 championship, and they took uh, Johnny and Jeff and uh, Ward and. And uh, David, and so I was kind of like the fifth fifth wheel there. So, yeah. uh, luckily for me, I just said, you know, hey, I'd gotten a nice offer to go race a, uh, a supercross in Sweden, mm-hmm. in Gothenburg, Sweden. And uh, so I said, okay, I'll, you know, I was going to do that and and go over there. And I thought, well, heck, if I'm going to go over there the week before on a race on Friday night before the motor or the uh, Trophy to Nations, I might as well go a little bit early and just go watch the. I'll go watch the motocross nations in uh, in Finland. So I flew into Helsinki and watched, and uh, lo and behold, uh, I actually saw David do it. He was just running down a fast, uh, straightaway, kind of a real tough uh, sand track called Ruskasanta. And uh, it's right at the the, uh, Helsinki airport. It's had GPs there for many years. But David David got into a real high-speed, like, head-shaking, violent head swap, you know, going through the... uh, going through the section and it just literally ripped his hands off the handlebar and sprained his wrist really really badly and so he barely rode the second moto Uh, you know american team i think won by like one point or something it was just the skin of their teeth they won and uh, david's wrist was bothering him all week and so i borrowed a just some stock production bike out of the uh, distributor in sweden for the next friday night and i rode a supercross but during the week, you know, David said, hey, I'm not sure my wrist is good enough. Uh-huh. I'm not sure my wrist is good enough. He kept telling the, hey, this thing's not getting better. It's yeah. not getting better, but, you know, kind of day by day. And uh, so as the week went on, they said, hey, listen, uh, you know, you're going to be hanging out here for a little bit? And I said, <laughs> yeah. And he said, you know, you know, let, keep in touch, you know, because we might need you here. So, uh-huh. Um, and sure enough, David's wrist just wasn't good enough to ride. So I ended up riding Friday night at Supercross, Gothenburg, winning the thing, mm-hmm. and then uh, driving pretty much all night long across the country to get to the next racetrack, and then to be ready for Saturday morning's qualifying. And uh, yeah, we just—I uh, just borrowed that same stock bike, and um, I borrowed David's mechanic, factory Honda mechanic, Cliff White, and uh, lo and behold, I uh, jumped on the bike and threw the number one of David's bike on my Yamaha, and we raced. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's just crazy to think about. The best part of your story to me is the uh, I was doing I wasn't doing anything, so I thought I would go early to go watch. Um, yeah. I can just picture right now. I can just picture, um, you know, let's say uh, Justin Barsha being like, "Well, yeah. I didn't get picked, but I'm gonna go over to France and hang out and watch."
1: <laughs> yeah, I just, I know. Uh, times are different now, right, but I know. It's, uh,
0: it's funny though.
1: I- I was a fan of the sport, even if right. I wasn't on it, and I was definitely a fan of Team USA, and I can tell you that. So I went over there to kind of, I could root them on, cheer them on, help them out any way I yeah. could. So,
0: yeah, really yeah. cool. Now, your bike, bone stock, huh?
1: Like It was, uh, I brought in, I brought over sort of some semi, you know, an Olean shock and a set of Simon's anti-cavitator front port yep. kits or something to run supercross. Yeah. <laughs> <it. laughs> And uh, I think I borrowed an airbox cover from Rick Johnson's bike because if you see pictures, the bike was all red and white like the European bikes, but it had a yellow and black uh, airbox cover on the side panel because I borrowed it from Rick because that helped give a little bit of bottom power to the bike.
0: Oh, that's funny. And that's funny because you're right. It is like that. Um, There's also a photo of you from the race. You have no crossbar pad on. I I, I don't know. (laughs) You have no crossbar pad on. You just have a steel handlebar. (laughs) <laughs> I just looked at it and was like, "Wow, this must be the one that he filled in at."
1: Um, oh, you know, it was. I was lucky to have gas for the bike. I wasn't caring. I had a mechanic. I, yeah. was, I was good to go. But uh, I had a, I had a good day. I mean, Jeff. That was one of the best, I bet, best race I'd yeah. ever seen Jeff Ward ride in his life. He was phenomenal. He went one one. But yeah. I mean, other than if I could have gotten Jeff out of there, I would end up. I went two two, mm-hmm. and uh, I was pretty proud of that because. You know, being an alternate and going yeah. I was a solid two two and had a really good day and uh it won, the first moto if I'm not mistaken you might know better than I do, but I think the Americans were first, second, third, fourth.
0: Yeah, they were. They were.
1: Yeah. Um and then the next moto we were like first, second,
0: fourth, third, and, yeah.
1: Third or first, second, fourth and fifth or something like that. Something like that. Like
0: that. We were, uh, almost the perfect score. Wardy says to this day, it's one of the best days he's ever ridden. To this day, yeah, he, that brings he was awesome. you know he brings that up. Um, Eighty five. You were definitely one of the best riders in the country, but uh, didn't get to go. Injuries, huh? Your wrist.
1: Yeah, I had a uh, I had a uh, broken navicular that I'd been struggling through all season long with. Uh, I broke it during the Red Redbud National over the Fourth of July weekend, and had to kind of nurse it all the way through until I wrapped up the championship. Took the last two rounds off because I actually had a big enough lead I could. Mm-hmm. Um, had to pull it out of the cast, try to you know fight for the Supercross title that was still going on back then. We used to run Supercross until the end of October or August. It was kind of intertwined with the uh, nationals, and mm-hmm. so I was I was struggling with that wrist, and I knew a navicular was a big injury that could be a big problem if you didn't get it healed. And so yeah. when Selected me. I just told him I couldn't do it. I had to, had to get my wrist healed up. So it was kind yeah. of a sad, bitter, bittersweet thing, but, you know, I love motorcross nation to me. is I mean, I'd say Czechoslovakia and some of those races like that were, you know, winning the overall at the Czechoslovakia and winning the USA team thing was yeah. one of my highlights of my career to be honest with you. So,
0: yeah, that's trophy. That's why I wanted to get you on here because I, I, you and I have talked just privately about your designations, and you know you've been to a bunch of them at, at working for Dunlop and PJ One and whatever. You're almost at I think you've been at almost all of them in the, in the last little while, right? Um,
1: uh, I I have been to quite a few and um, I, I still they're still one of my favorite events.
0: Yeah, so you're passionate about it and I knew uh, you got on it and probably. You know, in '81, '82, you probably also could have gone had the You know, had Yamaha and the other manufacturers been behind it, besides Honda. So as it is, though, uh, two-time Monocasta Nations Trophy to Nations champion, uh, and like you said, ranks right up there, right?
1: Yeah, it really does. And the one year that I was kind of selected, but then they got into a situation. That, you know, one was in '86 also, when they had it at Unadilla. There was, um, 87. was supposed to be my '87. '87. Yeah. you yeah, yeah, go. I was supposed to ride a 500 and. Uh, Oh, Rick was riding the 250, and then um, uh, whatever. Uh, Jeff was going to ride the 125, and then at the last minute, Jeff just goes, Look, I really don't want to ride the 125. So when he opted out, you know, I was like, Hey, I'm 180 pounds. I don't want to ride the 125 either. So yeah. I didn't end up doing it. And then Hannah jumped right in, and did a great job. But looking in hindsight, it was like, Oh, shoot, you know, they ended up going to the White House and meeting the president and doing well, yeah, all that. Yeah. And it was like, Oh, that was a. One of those ones. I really wish yeah. I could have uh, had that opportunity. And Golden Boy, it's yeah. not—it's
0: not like you were—you were—you weren't good on a um, uh, on a uh, 125. You have you had three national championships. So yeah, but that—that that was probably when I was <laughs> 150, 560 pounds, not 180 pounds. but 500 rider. <laughs> yeah, know. good point. Well, hey man, I, I don't want to hold you up anymore. I just wanted to quickly uh, get your take along with the other guys' uh, take on Motocross Nations, and uh, and uh, it should be exciting coming up in France for our team USA. You going to be there?
1: I am. I've okay. already got my ticket, ready to go. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a great event. It really, truly is. It's the Olympics of our sport, and it's just uh, it's a proud moment to be a American motocrosser.
0: Yeah, or Canadian. Not that, or... not
1: that you not that you would know anything <laughs> about that. Guys.
0: Hey, listen, I just watched '86 as Nations. Alan Dick gets fifth in a moto. So take that, Glover.
1: Hey, you know what? <laughs> what talk to him about? You got Dean Wilson. You know, I don't know. It Was Wilson riding
0: uh Scotland, or is he riding for right. a Canada? Why do you got to do that? Why do you got to be oh, like I that? Oh, I hate to rub. Oh, I hate to rub. Oh, them. whatever. Sorry. I, Sorry. This conversation's over. All right. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> My next guest on uh, in the Motocross the Nations podcast, uh, two-time winner, Ronnie Lachine. Uh, Dogger, thanks for doing this, man.
3: Hey, no problem. Good to be here, steve
0: Yeah, uh, Motocross of the Nations, uh, two times, two winners. And uh, where does that rank for you um, in your career of uh, – 25 national championships and uh, and everything else that you've done all you've won just about everything there is to win uh where does those nations uh rank for you
3: well it definitely rates up there at the top i think you know back in the day uh we were all really honored to be chosen for the team and and uh although there wasn't a whole lot of money involved with it it was uh just the pride and uh you know the respect of being uh asked to do it and and represent your country so um you know, every time I win, it was really cool to be have the, my other teammates from America. You know, it was the first time to really, you know, as a team go race. I mean, obviously, motocross is a you know a um, you know a personal sport and uh, you know it's not a not a team sport. So uh, to get together with guys and actually go and try to win as a team was was really cool. And uh, you know, like I said, it ranks up there at the top of the list for me for sure.
0: Uh, yeah, no doubt about it. It uh, you know. I was get, asking the other guys this question. I mean, I guess we did a race X interview where you sort of answered this question, but did you feel the pressure or was it like, uh, you know, ah whatever.
3: <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I think the first time I went, I did the first time I went in Germany in right. in 1985, um, the way they structured the class and the way that the schedule was and the way the races ran where there was like 63 guys on the line. They ran everybody off at yeah. the same time. And, uh, it was, uh, and I had to start second row, and I had to start behind the big, you know, factory 500s of David and, you know, mm-hmm. Thorpe and those kind of guys, and, uh, man, I think I got like a 62nd or 61st <laughs> place start. I fell, I got roosted so bad off the start by Thorpe, and then I, somebody fell in the first turn, and I got in the middle of it, and mm-hmm. uh so it was a lot of pressure to try to work my way up against the bigger bikes, and uh and you know and try to uh you know I didn't want to be the weak link and mm-hmm. and I think I worked my way up to 13th or something and
2: uh Overall.
3: so Overall. so yeah any time yeah. I went I mean I really uh you know you put your head down and you give it everything you have and t- just to to make sure that the team wins you know we were always you know noted as the top team and and you know you kind of kind of have to win so yeah. you got to give it everything <laughs> you can to to do that
0: uh Thirteenth overall, or, or how many? Thirteenth pi- in that moto, yeah.
3: And I think uh, uh, the second time, uh, I think I went like thirteen five four or something like that. I uh-huh. think we did three motos that year. Yep. Um, so
0: you won the
3: one twenty five class. Yeah, yeah, I ended up winning the one twenty five class overall. I think that thirteenth, I might have been third or f- third or fourth. I might have went three one one or something like that. But right. I did win the overall individual one twenty five which was pretty amazing with that, that first moto. It was, uh, I thought it was all thrown in the trash at that point, but I just kept digging, and I knew I was fast. I set the fastest time and practice out of everybody, so I knew I was fast. Out of
0: um, 500s, too? Like, out of everybody?
3: Yeah, out of everybody, even the Jeez. 500s and <laughs> stuff, yeah.
0: And that track was hard-packing fast. So. Yeah,
3: yep, which is good for me. I mean, that's another track that kind of worked out the same way in 88. It was yeah. another hard-packed uh, fast track, so... Um, yeah, Geldorf was pretty cool. It was uh, it was an experience um, that I'll never forget. And uh, you know, the beer tent afterwards, when we did the photo or the uh, <laughs> ceremony, man, I remember looking out over just a sea of beer mugs. Man, I'm like, wow, this place, this place drinks some beer over here.
0: <laughs> These Germans are not scared. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, and then '86, uh, obviously the Italian team, or the, in Italy, Honda team went again. '87, dis nations. Uh, was in Unadilla. I imagine you were probably close to getting picked. I mean, they went with Hannah, but, um, you know.
3: Yeah, you had- yeah, 87 uh, was kind of a comeback year for me. Right. But, um, right. you know, they obviously had Wardy and, uh, Wardy and RJ again as the top guys, and then they mm-hmm. were looking for a 125 guy, and I think they just kind of threw Hannah a bone, and yeah. being that he was close to the end of his career and, and being that, you know, he was such a fan favorite at Unadilla. And, you know, I don't really know how that uh, – I don't. I guess you'd have to talk to Mickey Diamond about that one. Yeah, uh
0: I did. I have. Yeah,
3: <laughs> I'm sure he's probably not too stoked on that. But uh, he was the fastest guy at the time on one type mm-hmm. fives, and we had Joe Holland and Kehoe. I mean, any yeah. one of those guys could have been picked uh, above Bob, I think. But yeah. like I said, I think some political AMA stuff came into effect there.
0: The uh, the one thing that saved Bob was that he won. So you yeah, could, you could always say, yeah. Um, of course, it was muddy and it was Unidello but um 88 you go to France uh, um and you you dude you just smoked them you won uh, both your motos on 5KX500 five, uh, might have been one of your uh, one of your best days
3: yeah yep yeah, it was uh it was a lot of fun there was a little less pressure on me at that at that event uh you know i kind of knew the i knew the the way the thing ran at, at at that point and uh and i had a really good bike and i knew the competition pretty well um you know i knew Leesk was probably going to be my closest uh competition and uh, and I figured I I had him covered and uh you know like I said just try to uh stay up get good starts and not not uh you know do anything stupid and and take the win which uh it worked out and uh no close calls and and uh you know we actually had a restart I whole shot at the second moto and somebody got clipped a spectator or something, oh. and they red-flagged the, the second moto of the 500 class, which uh, uh-huh. threw a little bit of a monkey wrench in the program. We had to reline line everybody back up and everything. And then the second start, I got off, I think, second. So it took me a few laps. I just kind of got into a pace and got in behind Leesk and then about mm. two or three laps into it, I made the pass and, and went on to win. So
0: And, and that had to have been uh, one of your best days on a motorcycle, I would, get, I would gather.
3: Yeah, it felt really good. It was uh, was a lot of fun and like I said the track suited my riding right. style and they had just a humongous crowd there. I mean, the people were everywhere um, you know, and it was uh one of the craziest traffic jams I've ever seen leaving the track. Um mm-hmm. You might have to ask Wardy someday about the story of us leaving the leaving the track, <laughs> but I, I think it was like a fifteen or twenty mile traffic jam, and you know, in uh, in in true American rental car form, we uh, we made that fifteen twenty miles <laughs> a lot shorter <laughs> than it was.
0: Um, uh, well, yeah, it, it uh, it's actually going to France again this weekend, motorcar the, the weekend uh, motocross the nations. Team USA is going back to France, and I think France is going to be their toughest competitor over <laughs> there. You know.
3: Yeah, yeah, it should be a good race. I'm hoping to uh, be present uh, with, uh, obviously, Maxima and JT, mm-hmm. and uh, we might do, like, a, a JT launch over there. Um, right. They're supposedly going to maybe, John Michelle Bale and myself, do... Uh, do a parade lap of in the opening ceremonies, which uh, I'm looking forward to. If it, if it all comes about, um, I'd like to greet the French fans again and uh, yeah. and be part of it and get to hopefully watch the USA win.
0: Yeah, and uh, I imagine, you know, Blake Baggett's kind of in your situation um, in 85. You know, you went with Bailey and Wardy, veterans, guys who've been there to the nations, know what was going on. Baggett's riding the small bike just like you were and never been. And, and you know, luckily Dungey and Villapoto have um, – you know, been there and maybe it can help him a little bit. Cause I imagine he's going to be a little bit shell shocked, huh?
3: Yeah, I think he'll be fine. I think he's definitely the right pick for the class. I mean, I think he's, uh, you know, the fastest guy, um, besides the, you know, the other guys that aren't, aren't American. So, um, you know, uh, I think it's a good pick. He'll definitely probably have a little bit of butterflies and, and hopefully he doesn't make any mistakes. And just, uh, like I said, you gotta, you gotta be smart at the donations and, uh, kind of let the race come to you and not not make any make any stupid mistakes because you don't want to don't want any uh, real bad motos that's for
0: sure yeah you know in talking to the other guys uh especially Wardy, he said you know hey lots of times i felt like i could have challenged some moved up and challenged my teammates for the win or or whatever or or, or passed a, a european if i had to but i would get the pit board hey we're good you know just just we're good and uh uh, I guess that's part of it, right? Just being smart like that. Yeah, yep.
3: Like I said, it's a team race, and uh, all that matters is that the team wins. So it's uh, you know, at that point, everybody's got to kind of be smart and uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and get to the finish line. And and uh, after that, uh, we can. There's no talking after that.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Better victory celebration, Germany or France
3: wow they were both really big man like i said uh I, I i would say that the trophies i got in germany were were way better i got a really nice uh crystal cup uh and another uh really nice cup from germany which i still have to this day that are uh on my mantle um you know i don't know the france was pretty cool too like i said there was a ton of people there and i had i had brought one of my buddies that i grew up racing with me and and he kind of got to be part of it too which was kind of cool and yeah. uh and it was they were both just uh, memorable events, now, that's for sure. in 88,
0: what about the after parties? How were those?
3: Well, they were pretty good. <laughs> like I said, I, I'm sure me and my buddy went and probably did our <laughs> own party after that. I don't know about any team parties, but...
0: Uh... <laughs> um, uh, hey, how was uh, how were the egos in 88? Uh, you know, Wardy, uh, Johnson, I mean, they, they battled hard all year. And, and, and you and Johnson were never bosom buddies. Mm-hmm. Um so uh uh how are the egos in eighty eight i'm interested did you guys did you guys bond a little bit or
3: yeah, we did for sure, like I yep. said those guys uh when it when it came to the donations, I mean we were buddies, and I was friends with Rick in the beginning, so we did have our spats on the track right, and right. off the track and and with the girls and all that stuff. but when it came to the donations, you know there were some photos there, of me and him talking before the race, and it was all about the team and all mm-hmm. about winning. we actually ran the uh our one-way radios in in France as yeah. well that one year in '88 and uh, which was kind of cool and so that those things worked really good in the beginning of the year and then they outlawed them and mm-hmm. then we still had them Kawasaki right. did so we ended up running them at the Nations which uh, I really liked because it you know felt like you had somebody kind of riding riding on the back of your bike you know watching out for you if anything was in the track in front of you or any uh-huh. kind of information you needed. Um, it was there, so that, that was kind of cool about that
0: race too. yeah, you know uh, JGr was thinking about running those this summer in the nationals i don't know what happened they might, but they're, they're legal again in the nationals to run so um, they are yeah I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, interested to see if, if anybody ever busts them out i don't know if they ca- how the costs are or whatever, but now on the, with those radios, could you hear clearly or was it kind of you to be off the throttle?
3: You had to be off the throttle. Yeah, I'm thinking we ran him in Supercross the first few times, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, being you know, Roy would be up in the you know, in the spotters tower or up in you know, up yeah. in one of the uh, press boxes, and and yeah, you definitely have to wait until you're coming into a corner off the throttle mm-hmm. um, to really hear it clear. But um, like I said, it all I really liked it. I thought it was pretty cool, and and like I said, it made you kind of feel like somebody was watching out for you and somebody riding along with you. And,
0: yeah. And uh, obviously, eighty nine, you would have been another good pick to go, but uh, broken leg. So, uh, um, you know. So yeah, I that. think
3: uh, I might have been, might have been a pick for the team if, if that hadn't happened. I kind of heard later that I might have been a pick, and uh, yeah, so broke the femur, and and everything's changed after
0: that. Uh, and you're going to uh, so what, if you're going this year to this nations, and you said it, you may be going, looks like it. When's the last time you were at one? Eighty eight.
3: Uh, I went to the Buds Creek race. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah, that's right.
3: Yeah. Was what, oh six or oh yeah. seven or six I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I flew we flew out, uh, you know, Maxima and Danny mm-hmm. and myself flew back out there to the donations uh at Buds Creek when uh when Ricky was there in Villapoto. So uh, mm-hmm. when you know both those guys were Maxima guys, so that was pretty cool.
0: Right, yeah, exactly. And and this year you'll have another guy with Villapoto. Yep. Um, yep. Well, cool, man. Thanks, uh, thanks for doing this, Ronnie. I uh, just wanted to touch base with the Des Nations are coming up, and everybody getting excited about it, and, and get all of you guys that sort of have uh, have done it and been there, um, um, talk to talk about it. And I think it's cool for the fans to hear hear about it. And you know, every the the common theme is that you all, you know, treasure your motocross of nations experiences and your victories.
3: Yeah, for sure. And they're definitely some of the biggest races. Uh, like I said, it kind of bummed me out a few years ago when some of the top guys weren't going and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not treating it as, uh, like I said, in my day it was the biggest race of the year. And, and if you got invited to go, it was a privilege. And uh, and you, you went, and you went and did the best you could, that's for sure. And I think it's kind of coming back to that now.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. There was a few years, you know, you a you sent a B team. McGrath, Stanton bowed out um, in the mid-'90s. And um, and it was pretty amazing. It's yeah, uh, not not cool. I I guess uh, all you guys kind of don't think like that <laughs> back then. No,
3: no, we I wasn't doing it. But like I said, I, I'm thinking it's getting back to how it was in the past, and hopefully we can take another win and and start a streak like we had going with the 13 in a row.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, right on, man. Thanks very much, uh, Ron Lachine. I appreciate it, and uh, I'll keep in touch, bud. All right. See good,
3: good talking with you.
0: Bye. And my next guest on the show is. Uh, a guy who holds the record, I think, for, for most times ridden for the Team USA and definitely the most times won, and that would be none other than Jeff Ward. Wardy, what's going on? Oh, not much. How you doing? I'm good. Thanks for doing this. Uh, seven times, seven wins.
4: Yeah, it's a good record. <laughs> <laughs> um, I you like know, that. I like that.
0: Uh, I went to the stations as Ferry's mechanic in 03 one time, and we lost, and it sucked. Uh. Um <laughs> I can imagine uh 7 times going um first year 83 and uh the, then you missed 86 the the, the, the in in Italy right. and then you went yeah. four four years after that. So yeah. Um where does where does 7 and 0 on a motocross nations team member rank in your list of everything you've done which is everything? Where does that rank? I mean, how special is it to you? Um uh,
4: I, I it's pretty high up there. I mean, I think it's one of I mean I, well, for one, I think it's probably the only record I have, so I have to <laughs> treat it as the best, <laughs> as the best one. But uh, um, it's just super – I mean, you've been there. It's just such a big race. Everybody talks about it, and, and it's uh,
2: mm-hmm. super
4: pres- – too much pressure. I mean, they've always tried to change the format, so we, you know, because we were dominating, so they just keep changing it up. And <laughs> everybody's basically just, you know, over there in Europe is just looking for us to lose, you know. So yeah, it's yeah. – uh, But we started getting, you know, we first went over, like I said, in 83, 84. It was, you know, we were not getting support. We were Mm -hmm. supposed to go to practice tracks that weren't there. Uh, We'd get bad gas or I'd seize my bike, you know, two days in a row testing. So they were just, you know, even, uh, I mean, Roger did a fantastic job. And there was probably nobody else in the world could have got anything that, you know, more than what he got for us. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he's the one that made all that happen. But still, there was nobody really wanted us to win at the time. And so it was just super difficult to. Everything we did was scrutinized and and trying to, you know, disqualify us or make us start, you know, in the back or do yeah. something. And, and then, you know, as years went on, they respected what, you know, our riders were. And mm-hmm. and it got, you know, more support. And, you know, and it became a little more, you know, I think now they really enjoy seeing some of the best riders in the world compete against one another. But, you know, early, but it, early it, on it ranks on. Way,
0: way up there. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, when I went, we, uh, our support wasn't great from Team USA, but... That the, the guys were rock stars. You know, the fans just just loved it. Um, and maybe not early on. You guys were sort of the enemy, I guess. Now, you went twice where you did the Motocross the Nations on 500s and the Trophies on mm-hmm. the 250s. Uh, you right. stayed back that, that week. Did you like those races? I mean, uh, uh, did you like staying back there the whole time and riding the diff- two different size bikes?
4: Um, at the time, we didn't know any better. but <laughs> it, it was uh, <laughs> it was a big a big undertaking. I mean, to have two bikes sent over, Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, both races pretty much equally as important. Mm -hmm. Um, so it just doubled the pressure and doubled the problems basically. Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, I won all the, you know, the seven, but then there was, like you said, there was those two more races in there. The, uh,
0: so actually, yeah, nine, if you want to go that way, right. right. Yeah.
4: And we won, yeah, we won every time that time. So, um, it it was just uh, a lot of, a lot of effort, a lot of work, um, You know, everybody that's ridden that race knows the effort you put in and how much it takes out of you. And then to get up and have to go to another country and and do it again all the next week, it was, uh, you know, it was pretty tough. But um, very enjoyable, though. I mean, some of the greatest memories I had was being over there with the riders that Mm -hmm. we competed against week in and week out and hated and trained every day to beat them. And then, you know, get to go over there and and, uh, work with them and, and come away as, you know champions every time, and like you said, I've never lost. So yeah. um, it was always a good good experience.
0: Now, getting to the never lost thing, uh, obviously 83, 84, I mean 84 Finland, you told me a while ago that was one of your days that you were unbelievable. I did one of these things with Brock Glover. He told me, man, Wardy was, you know, just unstoppable that day. So one of your best rides in sweeping the uh, trophy destinations. As you went on, though, uh, did you start feeling more and more pressure? Like because the streak kept going on and on and on. Was it? Did you notice a, you know, uh, more pressure? I, you know, I talked to Ronnie about '88, and he's like, "Dude, we had those guys handled. It was no problems. I wasn't worried. <laughs> you know." But <laughs> which I just laugh at. Yeah. But You yourself, did you feel it? Was it? Was it uh, a burden and pressure? Well,
4: well R- Ronnie felt that way everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> yeah, no exactly. Problem. Yeah. Ronnie. So I uh, those win guys, or guys lose, handled it. Me. was not a problem. But the um, party's still begun. Yeah, winter lose, but. <laughs> No, he, he he knows the. Pre- I mean, um, Ronnie's always been a real kickback, relaxed guy. Right. But, um, you know, he felt that he was on a perfect track with the perfect bike, and yeah, he you know dominated that day. It was just he you know he rides those things f- flawlessly, and that track was just right. Everything was perfect for him. And um, but um, yeah, I didn't. You know, nobody wanted to be on the losing team. We mm-hmm. had a record going, and you know, when it got down, to when it was my like sixth or seventh time over there. We were up to what ten or something, you know, in a row, yeah. and yeah. And um, you know, for myself, I was at that time. It was the pressure wasn't really there because I'd won five or six. Okay. And, yeah. Um, you know, we've squeaked by with a lot of a lot of wins on last lap passes by Stanton or somebody breaking or mm-hmm. just some hard effort work. But um, it was you know probably really tons of pressure for the new guy coming in, whoever it was, Bill was Kurkowski or or um, you right. know the one time guy where Ricky and I had been on it a long time, or it was Bailey and I and Johnny and it would always be, you know, Bradshaw would come on, you know, so those yeah. guys were, they're the ones that didn't want to let down the team. It's just kind of like what we're talking about with this year with Baggett. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, these guys, they, they got a streak going again, and, you know, you get the new kid on the block, and they mm-hmm. hear what it's like, but until you get over there, boy, I mean, then all of a sudden, man, every little mistake and fall down, just is so magnified, you know, yeah. because it's not just, you know, your national, you know, you can get up, it's, it's this one race, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, and you just don't want to be the guy to, you know, flounder and, and, and bring home the loss. Yeah. Um, you know, but things happen out of your control and all this. But um, And they have some great riders over there. That, that That's one of the biggest things I was really surprised about. Is You know, you hear about these guys and, you know, hiking, you know, all the older guys back when we were racing. Mm-hmm. And um, Thorpe and, you, you, know, you know, with the speed we run and we're thinking, you know, you get a little confident. And then you go yeah. over there and next thing you know, you're 10th in practice and you're like, you know what the heck's going on here uh, these guys you know they're cutting the track which, you know and <laughs> yeah. they they put they put such an emphasis though on you know time practice and and just practice times and where we were out yep. there looking at the track picking line you know just surveying everything and mm-hmm. you know but still when you, you come in and see you're that far down the list you're uh you get extremely nervous but you know those guys really know how to ride those tracks over there and Anytime these guys go over it's in their backyard, it's 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 not easy.
0: Yeah, I imagine, you know, guys like, uh, I mean, looking at the list of, I was in front of me looking at the list of riders who have ridden for the country, and I imagine, you know, Bradshaw, Stanton, Kudrowski, they're looking at Jeff Ward and being like, hey, Wardy, what do we do? Like near the end of your deal, you you were the guy that, you know, get gone every year. So um, you were probably like, hey, guys, this is kind of how it's going to go. I mean, you were team captain in in, in, uh, in effect, huh?
4: Yeah, I mean, we always had, you know, there was always one other guy on there that's been there. But we had, I mean, Roger was, you know, the man. He had it covered, all the bases. He took care of those guys. You know, I mean, I had my job still to do, yeah. to be prepared, do my running, you know, when we're there and be ready. And, you know, yeah, we rock the track and do all this. But there's so much other things that go on that Roger would just, you know, take those guys and just mm-hmm. explain, you know, just all the circumstances and the and just anything that can, you know get thrown into into the race and that yeah. will and um you know just to how to read the, the chalkboard on what we need to do and when it says to stay there or you know you gotta get this guy. It's just there's so much different things. Uh you know, I was plenty of times I was out there running around in third or fourth and, you know, maybe leading my class and had the pace to get up there not maybe not to win but be, you know, behind mm-hmm. Ricky or whoever it was and it was just like you're good. Yeah. You know yeah, And that's all you it. did. And, and and the mindset is so different. You know, it's like you gotta just go okay. And just ride it out, and you know I know even back, you know they talk about Bubba got beat, you know, but he was told, you know, it's like you're good, and the last thing you want to do is here to see that I'm you're good, and then get in your brain I want to catch this leader and then <laughs> yeah. cartwheel and throw it away. You yeah. just can't do it. it's such a different deal that, you know, sometimes you get ragged on about not being beaten some guy in Europe, but you got to look at the big picture and it's coming away with the
0: with the win. Yeah, nobody really cares years later, right? It's like yeah, you won. Um, what up, right. uh Finland, you went one one trophy Nations, Which is there one that stands out as the best one for Unadilla maybe?
4: Yeah, Unadilla was great. You yeah. know, just um being you know, on home turf for once and although the conditions were terrible, um, and then riding the five hundred in that in that condition was mm-hmm. you know, pretty pretty tough on that track. So, um but just being at the home and have finally having the support of, you know, yeah. all the fans and and um, that was that was probably one of the best ones I would say. Uh, um, and then I, I mean the '88 when I rode the 125, it was with Bale. That was that yeah. was a lot of fun, right? Um, you know, when we didn't really know who he was. I hadn't ridden a 125 in four years. Mm-hmm. Um, they wanted me to go over an '86 and ride the 125, but I did. I tur- We didn't have a good 125, and that year, and just you know, Honda was just. Yeah, I just turned it down, just you know, yeah. and then I regretted it afterwards. Yeah, I was going to ask I you
0: got, about that. Right. That Would have made you yeah, streak pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
4: But I mean, I don't, I would have not, I would have never done what Johnny did, you know, on that 125 and the effort mm-hmm. he put in and with the bike they had. So right. it was the first year of the production roll and there's just the Honda had that class dominated, whether it was diamond racing at that time or whoever it was. Yeah. Um, so it was just the best choice, you know. And um, but then when I had the opportunity to go over again and we were going to ride 125s and, you know, Matasiewicz had been racing them and they were good. So I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, I can. I'm not missing one out because I'm not, you know, going yeah. to ride the 125 for the team. And uh, it was it was a fun race because you know we're getting eaten up by 500s for a while, but then once Bale and I got together, it was a, it was a, a battle all the way to the end, the second moto, and I ended up taking him out <laughs> yeah. a couple laps to go, and not intentionally. We just went for the same rut, and I right. won out. And you know, their French rider in France, it wasn't that very really well received. So for sure. I was lucky to get out of there alive. But Bale was super super cool. You know, he came up and congratulated, you know, he was not pissed off. It was just a good race. So
0: Yeah. Um uh so what about uh so eighty eight, eighty seven are those are good ones and you and yeah, you rode a five hundred, you rode a, a two fifty, you rode a you rode a one twenty five, you've ridden all the bikes. Was there yeah. was there a worst one? Was there one that I know that's the one with Stanton in uh I think maybe ninety was the one where Stanton uh had to come through and, and park uh, Dirk Gherkins, but was yeah. there was there one Holland that was the worst something. one? I don't know where it was. Yeah. Uh ninety was in uh, Sweden. Right, right. One of those, yeah, one of us had. A ter- I mean I didn't have a
4: terrible day, but it was on the five hundred, but uh we blew a shock the first moto.
0: Uh-huh.
4: Um, you know, so I rode more than half the road or maybe it was the second moto. I mean, I got second or third the 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 one moto and then it was Stanton and I I think at the end when mm-hmm. he was having to run down. Yeah, the the leader to win it because I was in the back with the blown shock, the oil just, you know, sprayed out and yeah. smoking. And it was, a, it was a sand track, you know, the fucking Bronco. And I rode that thing to, just to salvage the points we needed. Mm-hmm. And, but Stanton, came, you know, came through um, on a last lap pass or something to, yeah. to to take. And then I think he did it another year later after that again. So,
0: um, Did you think it was over when you were out there? Like you had to know the points were close and that third moto and, you know, your shocks uh, kicking you around. Did you, did you think it was yeah. over?
4: Um, you know, I didn't know where Stanton was, okay. you know, I, mean, yeah. I knew we, I knew we had to beat a couple guys and I think I was head of one of my guys. So I was getting the signal that, you know, just keep going, you know, just keep going. And, and, uh, there was nothing, no, no urgency of like, you know, you got to get this guy like Stanton was getting, I mean, everybody in the world was out there pointing the finger at the next guy in front of them, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, I had no clue what, you know, really where we were at except, you know, that I was good. Um, and they knew my situation, but, um, you know, we've had some other races. I, th- I don't know if it was in. I think it was Finland. Uh, the one year, mm-hmm. um, I no, yeah. And uh, the second moto, you know, I went down in the first turn—a big, long sweeper sand track—and you know, I I got second the first moto, and and um, we were sitting pretty good. And I got, you know, I went down. I wasn't too panicked about it. But then when I picked my bike up, I looked over and saw David Bailey laying down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Then <laughs> I looked over, and then the, the bike that was on top of mine was Ricky Johnson's. So. Uh, <laughs> then panic set and we all saw each other. I mean, our eyes just popped out of our helmets and we just went crazy. And, and, Johnny's the one that got a good start. Um, I was, I was beat from the first moto and I had a concussion. I got knocked out the day before. So I was kind of sick and mm-hmm. I rode hard, as hard as I could ride. And, you know, Ricky, uh, I think Ricky's bike blew up. Um, so he was out of the equation to salvage points. So it came down to like the last, Couple of laps, and I think it was Vandervan or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's Vanderman or something. It was Belgian team, I think they were. The, and uh, second to last lap, his front fork snapped off. Oh, and uh, so they had the points, you know, they had the win going for them until that happened. So, yeah, um, that was uh, another lucky one, but you know, mm-hmm. there was a few of those.
0: Um, yeah, it, it, it always. Uh, I, re- I read back a bunch of magazines before I did this story, so I kind of got a little bit of a backdrop. And yeah, it seemed like. Another race, one of the guys got a flat tire. Um, they were looking good, and the, when somebody got a flat tire. It's real. Like I said, to keep going on a streak, it, it's a lot of luck a little bit, or a little bit of luck, I guess, you know, um cause yeah. you just never yeah, know. I mean,
4: yeah, I mean, those guys could have got lucky because we all went down. But, like I said, it's the, it's the effort that we've all mm-hmm. put in every year we go over there. I mean, it's been easily just, you know, to not have won it, you know, and, yeah. and get in a position to take advantage of somebody, you know. Having a problem and then having to have another guy score for him because now I'm ahead of him. You know, yeah, yeah. if I didn't, you know, if I didn't get that guy or stay ahead of that guy or Ricky or you know Bailey, uh, put that effort in, then even though you know something like that happens to help us out, it wouldn't have helped us out because yeah. we didn't, you know, do our job. So um, it was just about riding the hardest every moto until the end, and and, and we just, uh, we're, I, I was just lucky enough to be on. You
0: know yeah. all the good teams there that it won uh what about the trophies you won? do you have them still do you ha- are they still somewhere and, and is there a favorite one was there a cool one that you got?
4: yeah, those are about the only trophies I really have around are my motor they're they're big giant crystal bases that we we got a bunch of crystal over in Czechoslovakia over mm-hmm. in uh in eighty three when we were over there and and um so they're just yeah and, and i think it was Germany, another one and mm-hmm. Uh, and Finland, I mean, they're just beautiful crystal stuff. So those are the, you know, some of the nicest trophies that have
0: the ones that, that have come. I mean, yeah,
4: yeah, they get they get some nice ones away for the motocross nations, and those are those are pretty
0: special ones. Um, what about uh, in 1991 uh, uh, when they didn't call your name? Were you like, hey guys, wait? Because I mean, you're still <laughs> you're still uh, you know a solid guy. I think you won a supercross that year and uh, probably some nationals. 91, yeah. they didn't they didn't pick you. Were, I mean, were you bummed with the streaks over? Um, or was it? I don't, I don't hey, It was uh, time. Not really. Yeah. I mean, I,
4: the last, I had shoulder problems. You know, I mean, even the last, I mean, I won the 500 championship 89 and 90. Yep. Um, you know, and even 91, I was competitive with the championship and the 500. I think I did win a race or two. Right. I mean, I won a race my last, even my last season. Yeah. Like you said, I did, I did win a supercross that year. Um, yeah, I don't know. If, uh, I can't even remember the circumstances of uh-huh. even, uh, you know, the, it, 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 it's when you have, you know, I mean, Stanton and guys that are running good in the 500. Then you guys, you know, I wasn't I wasn't good that good on the 250s that year.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, so you you, you got to look at you know, do you put Stanton on the 250 and me on the 500? Or is it better to put Stanton on the 500, and Bradshaw on the 250? And you know, I definitely wasn't in the 125 equation anymore. So yeah, you know, you you look at that and you got to say, okay, it's better to have Bradshaw, you know, on that and Stanton on the 500. Mm-hmm. It's just there's certain ways of looking at it and. And um, to make the team as strong as they could make it, you know, because Stanton would probably wasn't going to be the best 250 rider. You know, he's better – maybe the bike's better than the 500. So, yeah, yeah.
0: Um,
4: I wasn't too bummed about it, you know. I mean
0: – Yeah. Um, end of an era but, a little bit, but it had to end at some point.
4: <laughs> yeah, I was <laughs> – you know, 91 wasn't the best year, and then 92 was just, you know, kind of – Your farewell. Yeah, and I had, sh- you know, shoulder surgery and, and just stuff that was just adding up. And it, it was just
2: uh, – I knew it
4: wasn't that wasn't going to happen that year. And I had, you know, I had a good run, so – I was above 30 already, so uh, it wasn't a problem.
0: Was there a, was there a best track that you did? A favorite Disnations track?
4: Um, I liked Germany. Germany was pretty fun. And Gildor, it was
0: Gildor, yeah.
4: kind of like back in the old Saddleback days where it was just uh, flat and blue groove and, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of all natural grass terrain until it got, you know, pushed out. But um, it was one, probably one of the most difficult ones because those guys over there, like Thorpe and – And Gabors and all those guys can ride that stuff like unbelievable. Right um, on five hundreds and you know, so it was extremely hard to beat the Thorpe, and I had a great battle and um, I think he edged me out even um, the first moto. But Mm -hmm. uh, it was just it was just a fun track and and just enjoyed the atmosphere there.
0: That's the first race, the first year that they changed the format and they literally had like sixty dudes on the gate. Sixty four guys.
4: Yeah, (laughs) yeah.
0: So I watched it on I was YouTube. Saying, I was, yeah.
4: God, I was, one year I was on a 250 there. I think in one year I was on a 500. I can't remember the years, but uh, yeah, 64 guys off the gate. They had like 40 in the front row and then 20 <laughs> taken off behind them. Poor Lachine was on the 125 that year, and yeah, um, that he had a lot of work to do. But yeah, that was just like another year. Let's you know, let's throw in a uh, you know a Tweak to the system here to see if we can't get you know the U.S. riders to falter or something. And
0: yeah, just let's let's stop the Americans however we can, <laughs> whatever we yeah, need we, to do.
4: Yeah, we can't beat them with taking all their scores, so let's take you know only three riders this year and make them run all at the same time. And yeah, um, you know, it just kept changing and changing. And you know, the format they have now is, is you know is
0: good. Yeah, it's pretty pretty solid. You drop one score, you know, which right. uh, which evens it out a little bit. Uh have you heard at all? And I know you keep up to the sp- you keep up with the sport. Um today, have you heard this uh, little bit of controversy with Vyan Villapoto and Ryan Dungy as to who wants to ride M X one and who wants to be M X three guy? Oh. Before well, heard, heard any yeah, of
4: Yeah, yeah, I've seen you know, I mean I go on the internet now and again yeah. and, and, and read some stuff, but um I mean they're running the same size
2: bike, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like just it's one fast. guy
0: one guy runs a number one, one runs a three and usually right. It, it, usually the three guy gets the worst gate pick just for whatever reason. Roger, it's something that, you know, that we've right. always done. Uh, I imagine a guy like yourself, you're just like, hey, guys, just be pumped. You're going. Who cares?
4: Well, yeah, but then you've got to look at, okay, who's the best rider that can come from a bad start? You know, is, yeah. it, is that Ryan or is that Dungey? I think it's probably more Ryan. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, I mean, Dungey and Villapota. Okay, yeah, um, yeah, Dungy, yeah, You know, so Roger going to make that decision, I think, based on mm-hmm. the track, uh, how the track is and passing. If it's a fast track, easy track, and if it's a sand track, yeah. Um, I have no idea. So you you, you got to look at that scenario and, mm-hmm. and say, okay, who's who's better from a, a bad gate pick?
2: Yeah.
4: Um, to to where you know I don't I don't I mean I don't know I, I just don't think these guys. You know, care. I just think that uh, everybody else is making something more out of it. Than, no, they
0: care. Trust, trust me, RV cares. <laughs>
4: well, I don't. I don't know why, because uh, I don't think it means anything. I think yeah. to me, and maybe the factory cares more than the. I have no right. idea. Just to yeah. have number one plane on your bike, but. Just be thankful you have an opportunity to get that number one plate on one of the bikes because it's easy to lose over there and be riding with number yeah. five and six on them, you know, or ten.
0: Right. Yeah. So, good point. Um, or Canada. I wouldn't
4: worry too much about the, the number on the motorcycle at that point.
0: Uh, I talked to Glover, and he was saying that in 83 he felt like on a 500 he was the best rider maybe in the world in 83 on a 500. And DeCoster put him way on the outside in, in Checo. And, said, right. and and Glover was complaining And he said I was pissed at Roger But Roger said Well you're the best rider So you know You can come right. from the back Just like what you said Is there any Was there any sort of uh, Stuff that either Roger did Or one of the other guys Did over the years That you were like Pretty pissed off about Or like That you felt like You got a little bit Of a short straw somewhere Or something like that In regards to Gating position or something
4: No No I mean I think Rogers Is an extremely smart guy And knows what he's doing um, I remember you know, I remember times David and I all talking. It's like, you know, who wants to start in the second row of, you know, with 40 bikes in front of you and be the 20, you know. And yeah. It's like, do we put the 125 guy out front and start mm-hmm. the 500? Because you start right behind your teammate. Right. You, don't, you know, so it's like, well, no, because you're going to run over the 125 <laughs> yeah. as soon as you get over the gate. So, you know, it's like, yeah, you got to start the 125 in, in the second row and just try, you know, and Ronnie would just, like, try to tag right onto the, the yeah. 500. And, and, you know, we had – strategy okay when you get out of the gate just move left hard left yeah and that would leave a big hole you know and you brock. get you get to go up there for 30 40 yards without getting peppered you know yeah, yeah yeah and that was all the strategy so yeah i'm sure you know brock was um probably pissed off but i don't I, <laughs> like i said he probably was the best rider I, I hadn't ridden 500 as much and yeah um we all that year we all rode 500 the one weekend and two fifties the next weekend and um
2: yeah
4: so uh but we all want to do good you know, I mean, everybody wants to, you know, run up front and, and beat these guys and not get beat. So we're all, we're oh. all racers at heart. But um, it's uh, you just have to go with what Roger says because he's the, yeah, he's the team manager. So that's uh, that's all it is.
0: In uh, yeah, in '83, uh, Mark Barnett and Jeff Ward were not top my list of best 500 riders in America.
4: <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, I hadn't ridden much at all, and I didn't you know Suzuki.
2: Right.
0: I didn't
4: even know how their 500 was that year. But <laughs> exactly. You know, but. We did. It was, that was in Belgium when we raced those over there. Oh, okay. Um, yep. And uh, with Gabor's and all them, I mean, it was we were getting apples thrown at us, and ah. there were these up, there were these uphills that were so rough. And back then, the spectators just lined the track with you know basically with them. Yeah. And they would narrow out the uphill and we'd come by through the rough stuff, and then when Gabor's, they'd all back up and you would go up the grass section
0: on the right. I mean, nice you and smooth. you hear about that in magazines, but are you telling me it's true? Like, oh yeah, like yeah, absolutely, was, uh,
4: really, huh? Yeah, you would you would hit a spectator if you want if you wanted to go where you really wanted to go. Yeah, yeah. And then you know, when Gabor's was leading the one moto, that's what would happen. He'd be he'd be go outside and go up this uphill that was a sharp left at the bottom, and it was just super bumpy and curved and rocks.
2: And, yeah. And where they were
4: all standing, they had like a little ribbon and they would just move back and he would go up. And as soon as we'd come in the corner, they'd all move back forward and we'd just oh, go the middle. I didn't know that. an apple Oh, yeah. And so, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, and then there's an apple tree turn we called it and there'd just be apples getting thrown over and stuff flying. And everybody'd take the goggles off and it was, ah. it was kind of misting that day. It was, wow.
2: So
4: it's, uh, there's a lot of good stories and memories. It's definitely a
2: Yeah.
4: super fun event. Like you said, when you get over there, he's, they're going to be. Or at least Baggett's going to be so, just so amazed at the yeah. amount of uh, spectators that that show up and the party that goes on. It's pretty
0: crazy. Yeah, no, absolutely, it is. Well, hey, man, thank you for uh, for coming on uh, to do this Motocross the Nation special show. And uh, like I said, seven times gone over, gone over victories. I don't know if that will ever be beat. Um, uh, uh, we, you know, we got some guys that have ridden it quite a bit, but they have some losses in there. So, uh, right. um, you know, yeah, seven and zero. Jeff Ford, Motocross the Nations. That's uh, that's something else. So appreciate it. Uh,
4: thanks.
0: Thanks, Wardy, and uh, I'll talk to you soon.
4: Okay, Mathis, you got it. See you. Bye. See you. Bye.
0: All right, we just got done with uh, seven-time motocross of nations representative and seven-time motocross of nations champion Jeff Ward. Let me switch gears a little bit and bring on another guy who has experienced the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat on Team USA, but. Nevertheless, uh, a great rider, been there six times, multi-time national and Supercross champion, Jeff Emig. Uh, Fro, thanks for doing this, man.
5: Yeah, my uh, my pleasure. I, you know, I always love talking about this event, and, and you know, I, I was fortunate enough to go uh, six times in a row, which I mm-hmm. believe at the time was a bit of a record. But um, the 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 more important thing is that I won the first year, uh, and then the real heartbreak was uh, 94. Mm-hmm in uh, Switzerland, Roggenburg, when we didn't win. It was had to be, uh, of the numerous defeats I had in my career, uh, had to be right there. That was the absolute worst defeat, uh, yeah. you know, personally. It just, it just
0: crushed me. Well, I was talking to everybody about that, and, and you know, all the guys have said, like, man, there's pressure. for sure. Well, except for Lachine. He said, nah, we had those guys covered. Besides him. Uh, everybody has said that the pressure of the event—you uh, know—you don't want to be the one um, to, to lose the streak after it went so long. And I've heard from people who are in Switzerland; you took that very hard. It was not a, not a fun day in '94.
5: Well, I went two on the day. Yeah. Okay. Um, and at that at that time, I in a moto in my class, I had never finished worse than a second, mm-hmm. which was uh, you know, uh, which was a pretty good record. Right. You know, right. like yeah. the results were good. Um, Della uh, Rocca were my teammates that day, and I don't remember which one of, which one of them it was, but somebody had a bad moto, and it was one of those years where you just you yeah. had to be on point.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: And, um, but for me personally, taking responsibility for my own actions, I felt that I was the best 125 rider in the world. Or mm-hmm. none. Yep. Not even, I didn't repeat as champion that year, Doug Henry the title, but I still felt that I was the fastest guy. And we went to uh, Roggenburg and, um, um, we went there with a great bike that was set up for the AMA motocross circuit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was really confident with what we had. Once we got to the track, I realized that the engine package that we had, it wasn't going to get it done. Mm-hmm. There was two sections of the track where you were literally at, as fast as a bike would go. Yeah. So it was a very top-end type of track, yep. and my engine was set up the exact opposite. And I'm not making any excuses, okay? Paul Malin uh, um, it, it rode for the U.K. that year. Yep. He borrowed uh, Bobby Moore's 125 from the um, uh, Rinaldi team, yep. okay? And so the bike was amazing. Uh, it was just two different specs. Mm-hmm. And uh, Paul had a great day, and um, I felt that I rode pretty good on the day, and I put a lot of pressure on but. But we just missed it. We yeah. were just a couple of clicks off, and uh, it definitely, you know, I believe it had to do with making the wrong, wrong choice with the engine spec.
0: Right, right. Yeah, you know, a guy like yourself, uh, you know, a champion, a winner, I imagine, um, you know, it, it was you were looking to yourself. And Kudrowski and the Rocco the same way. You guys were going to be the ones that, that, that lost. And, and, and um, you know, it's got to be tough to take for sure. But let's let's switch gears to the first time you went, which is a real cool story because in '90. Two, uh, Stanton, Bradshaw, and maybe a few other guys just said they don't want to go anymore. I don't know what happened, what the idea was. I know Stanton says to this day that it's a, he was, it's a regret that he has that he, he turned it down. But uh, the good news is yourself, Billy Lyles, and Larocco uh, uh, ended, Rocco. ended yeah. up going to Australia. And talk about the selection to that team and how pumped you were and sort of the, the political uh, landscape which was going on at the time.
5: Yeah, I, I I remember that there there wasn't uh, a lot of positive talk among the big dogs, you know, Stanton mm-hmm. and and uh, Bradshaw and guys like that, and that they had the team had won so many times that now, you know, it was getting close, and nobody wanted to be on that team that didn't <laughs> win it. Yeah, and uh, I believe the '91 <laughs> title was uh, the race was in Switz or I mean, sorry, Sweden, right? And Stanton had that amazing ride to to uh, win it in the final yeah. stages of the final moto. So I think there was a bit of that where, hey, that's just too much. I can't, you know, and we all care about it so much.
2: Right. And
5: Stanton, uh, uh, I can only imagine the heart and soul that he put into that ride just a year before, and he's like, man, I, I don't want to go through that again. Mm-hmm. You know, 92 um, was uh, was, a, was a difficult year for him altogether. You know, the, the winning the Supercross title was – Uh, you know, the stress of that alone, uh, was pretty intense. So,
2: um,
5: but I just got a sense that, that a lot of the top guys just said, Hey, we don't want to go. And I'm like, pick me, pick me, pick me. (laughs) You know? Yeah. 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 And, and, uh, at the time, what a lot of people don't realize is that LaRocco and I, that, that race was in the middle of our championship. We still had two more
2: races Mm
5: -hmm. in the AMA motocross championship uh, after the race, right, which is weird, so as you to can think Im- about now, yeah, which but, is yeah. weird, so, as you can imagine, uh, the two of us decide to go we 're in the middle of you know one of the most intense uh, once five championship battles that there have ever been, and now you 're going to make us teammates
2: right
5: um, It definitely was a better choice to put him on a two fifty um, as we know yeah. um, i I definitely would not have been the pick if I had to ride a, a two fifty two stroke there, so the way that it sorted out, you know, we had Roy Jansen uh, on the team as the team manager. That was his first time, and then they decided uh, to bring o, bring Billy Lyles over, who right. was riding in the World Championship on a five hundred, and we were the B team. There was no doubt about mm-hmm. it. Um, you know, there were better teams, and everyone ex- or you know, everyone expected uh, us to uh, do a good job and get on the podium. You know, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. So. The uh, the but you came away with the win which Sand track, or Deep Sand track, if I remember the videos right. And, Parts of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you guys came with the win. That had to have been – well, I guess you won the 125 National Championship, but that had to have been, at the time, one of your career highlights.
5: I I was a little kid. I grew up looking in the magazines and seeing the, uh, you know, the uh, Trophy donations, Nations, right. Motocross donations, Nations, all that, and just – I just – to me it meant so much to wear the stars and stripes mm-hmm. and and you know and to represent my country and i know that i'm that first year in 92 i mean i i had to ride my butt off to win that and i had a couple of uh really unforgettable rides and i was really proud of what i accomplished personally and then you look at the team what uh what um michael rocco had to do to put himself in the position and then of course billy lyles right it was you know there were some heroic rides go down that day to win the thing. And that really is what it takes to win the motocross of nations. You really have to be these heroes, you
0: know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and you got to put the pressure away. And you got to work with the uh, with the guys, um, uh, you know, that maybe you race every week with. And you got, you got to be buddies with them. And, and it's, yeah, it's not easy. Now, 94, ob- 92, the win – uh, 93 Austria. Uh, what do you remember about that? McGrath, Kurdowski and yourself. Love,
5: love the track. Yeah. It's Kind of that grassy clay. Yeah. I went there with a lot of confidence. Um, it, it was so cool because I had a custom, uh, red, white, and blue gear from Thor that, that year. And I was, you know, um, um, even though I wasn't the one, motocross champion, I still, once again, I felt like I was the best guy. Right. Uh, and I was, I was really happy to go. And, um, um, and uh, I remember the question on the team was um, uh, McGrath that right. year, because he was yeah. a Supercross champion, but his motocross finishes, you know, and the results weren't quite uh, – didn't give everybody the confidence. Yeah, And, um, you know, um, you Kodrowski know, um, was on the uh, KX500, and he was the guy. But once again, I mean, McGrath had a bad start, had to ride his butt off one moto just to even, you know, get mm-hmm. a decent score. And also, the thing is, back in those years, it seemed like every year they changed the rules. Yeah, it was a moving target. Of <laughs> do we take four out of six motos? Do we take all six motos? Do we throw one out? Do, you know, how does it all go down? And it seemed like that. <laughs> it seemed like the organization was always working against Team USA, yeah. right. To try to well, okay, what's going to be the best rules this year with the group <laughs> of guys that they have? Yeah. But once again, final moto of the of the day, moto three. Um, uh, McGrath was in a solid fourth place, but yep. it was, it was Kudrowski that had to put in a, a heroic ride. I mean, we're talking two laps ago, man, you need two guys. We're all standing in the pit area. We're all, you know, yeah. screaming at everyone. Just, just, you know, the whole team and all the Americans are just cheering you on. And, uh, and he comes away with, with the position that it took to win, to win the event. And it was pretty special.
0: So. Just like Mike Krodowski's career, a story that doesn't get maybe get told enough, right? Yeah, like- that, that ride in that moto was unreal.
5: And another thing that was, so, uh, that was so important about that day is that in the first 50 moto, uh, Alessandro Puzar, who was, I believe, the 250 world champion that year, mm-hmm. riding for Rinaldi Yamaha, which is the same team that we would ship all of our stuff to, we would work out of their race shop in Italy and yep. then go to different uh, racetracks. I'm working, me and Keith and everybody at Yamaha mm-hmm. are working out of the same truck, yep. okay? He wins the first moto. Italy's leading after two motos. This guy is like, I mean, he's like the, this rock star ever when he walks right. through the pit. <laughs> yeah. And I remember <laughs> being in the, um, what's the uh, staging area? What do they call yeah, it? Park for me. Park for May, yeah. and there was literally a gate there with a guy with a clock, and you got to be in the park for May 10 minutes before the race starts or mm-hmm. something, you know. Yep. And I remember standing there with uh, Team USA, you know, Luraco and Jeremy and the mechanics and everybody, because I'm done for the day. I raced yeah. the first two motos. I'm done. And watching, like, people, him signing autographs and, like, people grabbing him and holding him back, and he's walking up to the park for me, and he literally gets 10 feet from the gate. The guy's looking at his watch, slams the gate shut, puts like a, you know, a chain around it. <laughs> and, and Puzar walks up and tries to open the gate, and the guy's like telling him no. Yeah. Can't do it. FIM officials are there saying no. Nope. And then shit hits the fan.
0: <laughs> Italians going berserk.
5: It, it was not good, and there was so much confusion and all that. I and mean, even within that, Uh, I believe that we were battling the Belgians for the overall after the Italians were clearly out at that point. Uh, Yeah, and then we win the race, and it was so bittersweet because here we are celebrating, and we're all happy, and we go back to the race truck, and here's Rinaldi, who it was really interesting because uh, Michele Rinaldi, you know, world champion, Mm -hmm. um, you know, um, team owner, legendary racer. Great
0: guy. uh, Great guy, too. Awesome.
5: Awesome. Yeah, Uh, was so gracious to us he t- t- took full responsibility for his rider not being in park for a mm-hmm. as heartbreaking as and embarrassing as it had to be,
2: yeah.
5: you know, there were just a bunch of things that in sequence went wrong. And, uh, yeah. And so we actually went back to the race shop the next day and it, it, it was, it was really interesting, you know, because yeah. you're having to, uh, you know, one team here clearly yeah. Very you know, gave up the yeah. title and then the other team has it. So,
0: uh. Ninety-five. You go to Slovakia. Belgium wins again. Uh, is that the year they soaked the shit out of the track, or was that another year?
5: That was a different year. That was okay. ninety-seven.
0: All right. So ninety-five.
5: But they did. They did have a tendency of doing that. Yeah. Uh, you know, in <laughs> Slovakia was interesting. It was uh, Lampson, myself, and uh, Ryan Hughes, and uh, we had we should have won that. I mean, the second moto uh, Rhino had had. Uh, he was in the, in the position, I think it was Kurt Nickel or somebody mm-hmm. went down on this big Rocky uphill. I mean, it was like a dude it was like a cliff, like a <laughs> Rocky cliff that the track went up <laughs> yeah. and uh, like kind of a blind jump over the top. If I remember correctly. And, and we really were the best team that day. And, um, and, uh, uh, I believe it was Nickel went down and Rhino hit him and went down and uh, I was I was really bummed for the guys, you know, um, you know, um, especially Bruno because he he put in such a good ride that day, and uh, then once again we we didn't come away with the win. So that was two years in a row, yeah. and it didn't feel good. You know, it didn't hurt quite as bad as '94, but yeah. but yeah, it was a real bummer uh, because everybody uh, worked so hard for it.
0: For sure. And, you know, I was uh, I was a member of a Team USA that lost. I went one time as a mechanic, and we lost, and oh, it sucks. Congratulations! Yeah, I was actually the member of the last yeah. U.S. team to lose. So that's quite a record I have. Um, uh, but 96, so the heartbreak about the uh, the 96 uh, – the heartbreak about 94, 95. In 96, you, Lammy, and McGrath, if I remember right, killed them in Spain.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like,
5: uh, Big jumps. Uh, Eric oh, Johnson wrote that story uh, a year or so ago about the '96 team and mm-hmm. how they um, it compared with the 86 uh, dream team and, and i was um, I was really proud of, of that article and because I never really looked at it that way right. but you know with you know um, uh, statistically speaking with the, with the number of champions and race winners and amount of talent that was on the line and on the races uh, yeah. that day that we all. We all did a pretty good job.
0: Man. And I think Lammy won every, against everybody just oh, yeah. on 125, just like what John yeah. Hill did, right?
5: Yeah, yeah. Lammy won the first moto. And I I had the lead on the KX500, and, and oh, I had yeah. no you interest.
0: You would have been Honda. You would have been Cowie at this time. That's right, yeah.
5: Yeah, but I had no interest in trying to be a hero and win the moto. <laughs> I just remember a one in the 500 class counts for a one, and that's yeah, all yeah. I'm concerned yeah, with.
0: exactly. And I had
5: spoke with Lammy uh, before the race, uh-huh. and – there was going to be this big battle between the 125 world champion, which was uh, Sebastian Tortelli of France,
2: mm-hmm.
5: and Lamy, who was the U.S. champion. And I clearly remember going, look, you know, this is your time. You have got to go show these guys that you're the best 125 rider in the world. You know, if yeah. I'm out front, I am not going to stand in your way. Right. And I played it fair. I remember letting those guys by when they, when they eventually caught me. Mm-hmm. And I was more interested in watching that race to see, you know, who was going to win this thing. Uh, than you know than my own uh, performance because I can't I can't recall a lot from that race uh, other than that big downhill quad yep. uh, riding the KX500 and, and and to me both of the motos were uh, you know my memory is that they were both pretty easy for me
0: yeah uh, and that's something to think about too you went through on a 250 you went through on a 25 you're like Wardy and you went through on a 500 and you're not you weren't a 500 guy at that time were you so how did you like the big uh, nobody was yeah good point we didn't have a
5: 500 (laughs) championship anymore right and so basically we just uh rode that same kx 500 there was a a practice bike and a race bike and and uh a cowie guy rode it uh, a couple of weeks a year
0: yeah and did you like it do you like the 500s or were, were you just like hey i'm just trying to survive or did you start getting into it okay i didn't i don't
5: i didn't like the bike yeah Uh, it basically, you know, the 500s at that point were starting to get outdated. Uh, it's you know, it's a real handful to ride and the technology on our two fifties was so much better. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I do feel that had we had a 500 championship, I would have really looked forward to, uh, that style of racing because I I feel that I would have been well suited for, Uh um, but, but, you know, we never had the opportunity.
0: 97 comes and it probably can't be argued that you're the, you're the best rider in the world. You win the outdoor nationals. You win the uh, you win the supercross title. Wait, ninety seven? Yeah, ninety seven. And uh, yeah, ninety six. Ninety six motocross. Right. Uh, and, and, and World the, supercross, which was kind of unofficial. Right. Uh,
5: um, um, a king of Bercy right. Ninety six. Best. um and then you go ninety seven, win the supercross again, win the motocross title again. Yeah, I was going for the. Or the complete sweep for yeah. a, a year,
0: no doubt about it. And, and this is the year that they it goes on in uh, in Belgium, and they and according to Coombs, according to yourself, they really watered the track like it was bad.
5: Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. We yeah. all have to race the same thing. It's probably you know treat it like a mud race. Yeah. Uh, but there was such a sense, and I cannot, you know, overstate it enough that. At that time, there was such a sense of us against the world. Right. And they would do, you know, throw nails down in your starting spot if they could. You know, it, it just it – just, that's the mentality that we had at the time. Hey, we all had to ride the same thing. You know, um, um, I was second in the first moto, and I was so pissed off that uh, Kurt Nickel beat me in uh-huh. the first moto because I'm like, yep. dude, I'm the fastest guy in the world. Why is this guy beating me? And – I remember after the second moto where uh, Dowd and Lampson, both of them had bad motos. And it was clearly
2: yeah.
5: like the results, like we are not going to win this thing. Right. And, and I don't remember a lot from that race other than that I can tell you that I went out for the third moto, the final moto. I'm like, I'm going to show these motherfuckers who the fastest rider in the world is. Mm-hmm. And I was so pissed. <laughs> like, I was, like, yeah. I wasn't emotionally stable. okay i was not in the right frame of mind that i should have been in i was i was so mad that we were going to lose it again when we had a great team yeah we got Dowd and lambton we all should have won this thing right and i remember i got the whole shot and i went as hard as i could possibly go i pumped up my brain pumped up i completely mentally exploded and faded back to 11th and never even fell down
0: oh really
5: jeez yeah and I'm and I was like, so now I'm even more pissed. Because yeah. now I go two eleven. And that was the first time or the only time in my Motocross of Nations uh, career that I that in, in my class I had finished worse than a second in a moto. Yeah. So I was I was really, really um yeah, You know, uh, disappointed with myself, and I was I was really disappointed with the whole effort that year because I felt that we had a great team.
0: Well, like I said, and at this time, there's no doubt that you were the best rider in the world, just based on everything that had been going on. So um, I felt that. Yeah.
5: I felt that. So what sort of disappointment is that? Yeah, right, really, and, right? <laughs> and you take and you add the fact that I cared about that race as much as anything, yeah. and I had a lot of pride in riding for Team USA and for the fans and uh the craziest thing is when you've got the, like, you've got soldiers from all over the world that are stationed near those events, and they mm-hmm. come out, and they yeah. support you. And it's pretty hard to do back in the days. You know, it's not like now where you can go on the Internet and figure out where it's at and boom, boom, boom. Right. I mean, it was a big effort. And so, to me, I felt like on those times when we lost that I didn't just let myself down or my team down, that I let down right. everyone.
0: Right. That,
5: it, that you let down a country. <laughs> and it's a pretty heavy, pretty heavy weight.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, uh, I'm sure it is, especially you know, like you said, uh, trying to trying to show everybody what's up. The poor Dowd, he's o- he was over two the more Uh Poor John, Dowd. yeah, um, he was
5: better than that on that day too, and Lamy yeah. was too. I mean, we all were, uh, you know, should have been the best guys. But hey, you know, teams. That's why you just can't take this thing for granted. Yeah. I mean, when we lost in '94, England was. They were badass. They had a great team. Yep. When Belgium would beat us or whatever the case, I mean, they, they're a much smaller country, and they're able to put together a three-rider team that rivals what we have here in the U.S. Yeah. Yep. And so, you know, I always look at that, that they're at a, that they're at a real disadvantage. Mm-hmm. But these
0: are the rules, right? Right. Um, well, even like, uh, even like going into Lakewood, when the race was at Lakewood, uh, going into the third moto, I believe the U.S. was trailing by two. I believe, uh, going into that Lakewood final moto, obviously Andrew Short and Dungy blew everybody away, but Hey, it was close after two motos, you know, and, and I can't imagine all the times that you went, the six times that you went, uh, when you guys were trailing after two,
5: you know, I encourage everybody to go if it comes back to the U S and they get a chance to travel here or even travel to Europe, because it really is like no other event. Uh, and, uh, I think that the promoter, you stream and everybody, I think that they're really lucky that they've got the contract for that, 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 that they, they can capitalize on that because, because, um, as a, you know, as a rider, at least back in my days, there wasn't a lot of money involved,
2: right, it's not right.
5: like you, I mean, you literally rode maybe harder and more and put more on the line and dug deeper than what you would even in your championship races and we don't get we didn't get bonuses from Yamaha or Kawasaki right there's no bonuses from the gear manufacturers and goggle companies it's 100% pride of country yeah. and so that's what makes the race so unique is is um you know the team structure and uh I'm telling you there's nothing like it when you I, I remember being in Australia that first year mm-hmm. when we weren't supposed to win and we've got the Chamberlain Trophy in our hand, me and LaRocco and Billy Lyles, and we hoist that thing, and they played the national
0: anthem. Yeah. Cool. Yeah,
5: it's it's, it's – I'm getting a little choked up right now, actually. <laughs>
0: um, hey, uh, we'll wrap this thing up. Let me ask you this. So you're 3-3 three three at the Motocross Nations. You can hear everybody how much it means to you to go there. You're, 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 you went 3-3 three three in your six visits. So I imagine in your career, if you sit back on a rocking chair and think about all the things in your career that you've done, and you've done a ton, the Motocross Nations has to be some of the best and some of the worst, huh?
4: Oh, yeah.
5: Yeah, like... The highest high and right. the lowest low. Right. Like, no you- doubt. Hey, I I actually just talked to Davey Coombs about a week or so ago, and I was asking him, is it legal to send an A team and a B team? Because... Me and Carmichael, we're looking for somebody to go. Yeah, <laughs> we could still get some stuff over right now. I mean, what? I got three weeks to get ready. Yeah,
0: three weeks or so. Plenty yeah. of time. We've seen, Let's the, do it. we've seen what the we've seen what the twenty twelve Cowie four hundred and fifty could do. I mean, there's no doubt. It, all you do is is put that thing on cruise control, <laughs> dial in the autopilot, use the launch
5: go. mode off the start. You're dialed. Yeah. Uh, I could and I could uh, break that that tie that I have. I would love to be four and three. Yeah, and in and the, the, the win loss ratio so. If we if we can get a third rider, you know, yeah, we it's, can make this thing happen.
0: Well, call Dowd because I mean, we saw what he did at Southwick, and he needs he needs to get that <laughs> thing to, to at least one win in in, in his exactly in his career. Um, no, exactly it, nine eight nine eight at forty six years old. I know. I'll huh? take that. I'll take a nine eight guy, <laughs> especially Dowd all day long. No, it, day it's got to be. It's got to be. Uh, it's got to be a little bit of both for you. You know, you, like I said, you. Uh, I know you took that that, that loss in ninety four real hard, and uh, and uh, in to win as a, as a B team has got to be awesome too. So great perspective and, on, on the motocross of nations. Oh,
5: yeah. And, and you know what? And I'm going to say that, that if we did get a B team going for this year, USA two, mm-hmm. right. We're going to bring back Vivo Forte as the team manager, because in 94, he was the team manager. Yeah. And, and he took a lot of, took a lot of heat for that year. Obviously, it was what we did as riders, but yeah. Bevo is looking for redemption also. <laughs> so if we can get some sponsorship dollars together, get Carmichael. I don't know if he's got a race that week in the truck. Get Dow dialed up and get him uh, committed. <laughs> and if Bevo is on board, I'm there, USA 2, yeah. in, uh, in, in France and
0: uh, looking for some redemption. There we go. Jeff Emig looking for redemption. Hey, man, thank you. Uh, thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. And uh, I will see you at the races.
5: All right, thanks guys. Thanks for always cheering on Team USA and being there for us. Thanks, bro. See you. All
0: right, my next guest and final guest on the uh, Racer X Podcast Show, Motocross of the Nations wrap up, is uh, is a guy I know well. Three time member of the Motocross of the Nations team, one time losing, two times winning. None other than Tim Ferry, Red Dog. What's up?
6: Uh, not too much. Yeah, that, I guess the ratio is uh, in the favor of winning, but that one that one definitely hurts. Yeah. I won loss.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, who was your mechanic for that one?
6: Uh, that was you, and actually my, I think my bike broke is why we lost.
0: <laughs> Easy on that. Well, uh, talking to Fro, Fro's 3-3, three and three, six times gone, three times uh, a winner. Uh, John Dowd is 0-2, and, and Jeff Ward's 7-0. and 0. So you're somewhere in the middle.
6: <laughs> Jeff Ward's 7-0, and 0. that's amazing. And then it makes me feel a little bit better because – John Dowd's kind of a hero, so if he lost... He two, lost twice. Yep. Yeah, if he lost twice, I mean, that makes me feel a little bit better.
0: Right, exactly. <laughs> so, hey, uh, you, you know, you won the 125 uh, Eastern Championship in 97. You've uh, won nationals at every level. Never won a Supercross, by the way. But, uh, uh, sorry about that. Just trying to get that dig in there. Um, but where does the Motocross nations Nations, uh, going three times, winning twice, losing once, where does that rank in your career? Like, where... Is it right up there? Is is I mean, how, talk about just being selected for the team.
6: Um, I mean, really, it, for me, it was um, the the I think was oh seven oh eight. Those were the high, they're almost the highlights of my whole racing career. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I want you know, I feel, I feel like I won Glen Hill in the two fifty or four fifty, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, um, I almost for, forgot you know what that even felt like, but. When you win the motocross nations, it's something completely different. Um, it's amazing too. You don't make any money for it, so it ain't about money.
2: Yeah.
6: And um, yeah, I don't know. Bud Creek was special because we were in our home country, mm-hmm. and then uh, there was something really kind of neat about England. Um, but by far, those those are those are um, a big deal. I, w- I watched ninety five uh, Bud's Creek the other day, and I went on a moto and. That was, was, was pathetic. We were so slow back then. It was ridiculous. <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, I was watching that video, I was thinking, geez, man, we were, we were the best they had in the class. Uh. Um, but, no, in the motocross nation, mm-hmm. there's, there's nothing better for me, mm-hmm. um, especially after, when, because those meant so much to me, but losing was like the lowest of lows. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I lost the, the O's, I felt like I lost the O's 07 title. Um, right at the eleventh hour, the outdoor title. Yep. But losing that, losing that uh, motocross nations in 03, that that you know still sticks with me way more than the title you know here in the states.
0: Oh really? Huh. Oh wow. Yeah. Um, uh, interesting to to say that. Let's go with the first one you selected yourself. Ricky Carmichael, Ryan Hughes went over. I was your mechanic, like you said. We went over there. It was a one moto format. Um, they took the I think the two out of the best three scores. Carmichael did his job, and by winning, um, you crashed in practice first or second lap, tore your thumb back. It was a miserable day. It was cold. Um, You crashed uh, two, three times in the one main event. It was just a miserable day.
6: Yeah. Well, yeah, I think it was Saturday I fell in the first lap of practice, hit like a mud hole, and just jammed my thumb and tore a ligament on my thumb, and then... um, I want to say we had, I don't know if we had qualifying that day or what, but then the next day. Um,
0: yeah, I think, there was I, qual- I
6: think there was qualifying that. Uh, yeah, there the next was day. something. And it was it was miserable from there. My thumb was really swollen. My wife actually stayed up icing the thing half the night, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, it sucked. Yeah. And then, yeah, in the main event, I was, um, that was a one, you know, one moto format. I was way back, crashed, yeah. and then uh, I was catching up. I was doing pretty well, and then it's had another big crash. and. You know, uh, we salv- we ended up salvaging the second, but
0: yeah um yeah, USA it, was, got a it second. was pretty miserable yeah, I remember we got second, but like no one was happy, no one was talking, nobody cared Do you know I mean? on our team like on the team USA, it was just uh we failed, Do you know what I mean it was win or bust it was no second no happy to get second but
6: yeah it, yeah it was it was terrible. well not <laughs> to mention when I went no seven oh eight, I was hesitant to even be back involved with it because in oh three. three. Mm-hmm. That that event really lost all of its luster. There, we had no support. You know, yeah. hardly anybody came from Yamaha who I was riding for. Yep. Um, so it's like we lost. And I think for me, part of it, I was kind of like, dude, I'm in Belgium. I just tore my thumb up, going to have to have surgery. We lost. And, you know, mm-hmm. there really wasn't a whole lot of American support yeah. you, you couldn't um, get, um, at you that co- time.
0: You couldn't get passes, I remember. You had a hard time getting ice for your thumb. Um yeah we had no security. Was, people were trying to steal stuff it, yeah it, it was just it was bad it was it was it was a miserable experience, no doubt and you you can't even compare o three to o seven or o eight can you as far as support and everybody helping out i mean it's not even in the same galaxy
6: no because in my in my mind it kind of you know thinking back it reminds me of like when I saw videos of say uh, O'Mara when he beat everybody on a five hundred, or David Bailey winning, you know Jeff Ward, right? You know, that's where oh seven oh eight ranked with me, and not just because he won, but just because of the yeah. the atmosphere and the excitement of it, right?
0: Uh, uh it was it was a tough tough deal. I know in uh, you know talking to you and we, we first I first became a mechanic in ninety nine. I remember you telling me, man, getting selected for More Nations would be just the ultimate. Ultimate thing. Uh, it would just be so so cool to ride for your country, and, and then we went and I felt really bad for you because it was a terrible experience and it cost you like you said surgery on your thumb, and uh, it was just one of those days. And I remember thinking to myself, "This is terrible. This is the worst race ever." Well,
6: <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, it was it was a fight the whole time, and um, you know, it was it was weird because it wasn't a team. wasn't There's was no unity, you know. Um, Rhino was oh, Michael Hat. Yeah, right. Michael was had his own truck, and he like had his own big box stand that Honda had done for him. Mm-hmm. And then Rhino was riding for I think KTM, so yeah. he had like a whole like little crew. And then I felt like I was in a paddock at you know the Minneapolis Supercross underneath the bleachers. Yeah, and yeah. Um, so it was. Uh, yeah, it just wasn't wasn't the experience. And, and I think too, even if we had won. Um, I could have stood up on the podium and looked down and probably seen, you know, only you know, really ten you know Americans there supporting us. So mm-hmm. it, was, uh, it was it was a weird deal.
0: And even in the media, it was the race was barely covered. It was it was ra- rarely covered, you know. It, it,
6: it, the, the the I I want to say maybe Mitch and a few of the guys teams maybe Cali was really behind it later on, shortly after that. Yeah. Um, well, it didn't go
0: the, the, the <laughs> next year. The team USA did not go. We lost. I don't doubt it because we yeah. we didn't
6: go the year before the two years before that. Right. Uh, I had been selected also. We didn't even end up going. So. Um, yeah,
0: you know, I should I should have said that in the intro. Selected in O two as well, but yeah, didn't it was
6: 02, an and we were supposed to have it, and then, what they canceled it or something. So
0: yeah, they did a they did um, a um, Glenn Helen World Cup.
6: So yeah, it was a. Uh,
0: and Allow me to put this yeah, out there. Allow me to put this out there. LaRocco and Carmichael, your two team members, elected to not race the World Cup. They bowed out. People forget that, yep. but there was one man who joined Sean Hamblin and <laughs> Kyle Lewis, who apparently were not busy that day. That was the criteria and uh and you guys raced the World Cup.
6: <laughs> we raced the World Cup, man, the track was awesome at Glen Hill in that morning, too yeah it wasn't so it wasn't so great in the in the afternoon. It got right. kind of dry, but that was a it seemed so, turned out to be actually a pretty cool event. And, uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't Motocross the Nations, but yeah. heck, it was probably still better than 03 Zolder.
0: I'll tell you, it wasn't Motocross the Nations because I think Canada got third or fourth. So,
6: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> goes to show. Well, you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, but, the, uh, but Zolder didn't go well, but certainly uh, Buds Creek uh, in America for the first time since 87 couldn't have gone any better. I mean you guys just killed him. RV won both his motos, Ricky won both of his. Um and you I think I think did you win you didn't go one one in your class but
6: No, no I went one three um, or one
0: something, one two or something anyways. Um Yeah,
6: I think I, I went three one in my class. I think I got a fifth and a fifth and a second maybe or something like that. Yeah. I think the first one I'd fell in the first turn or something. Right. And then uh I got second behind Carmichael in the last moto to clinch it and uh had a good race with with Steve Ramon that 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 moto and you did. It was somebody else there too I was battling with
2: um, and uh
6: yeah you know, we kind of had it wrapped up at that point but yep um we we just we just dominated so you know there were so many fans there for that race I actually have a picture of me and Carmack riding around the track and the people are running from there to the podium, and there's like a there's like, there's a um a dust storm no really because <laughs> uh, because obviously they didn't water the, yeah. the walking area
2: yeah yeah
6: the, the, where the fans are, and there's like a huge dust storm over um over that whole little valley there, so <laughs> it was a uh it was a pretty cool moment
0: as bad as zolder was uh Buds Creek was that much cooler huh like uh just hundred and eighty degrees of uh awesomeness.
6: Yeah, I yeah, I really was. I, I really wasn't actually selected that year. I think James got hurt. And uh that's how I got in on that on oh, really? the uh, the oh, okay. Creek line. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So remember in 07 he hurt his knee at uh right. Beds,
0: Wa- Wa- right, right. So Washugal So you were the filling guy. And uh Yeah, I was the filling guy. But rightfully so. I mean, you were probably the the fourth 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 number 4 on the list, you know. Um
6: Yeah, no, I was the next guy on the list and then uh the next year I was was selected you know because i earned it so
0: yeah um the next year england uh it was you james and villapoto going and uh different track a weird track super crossy off cambers um uh and again, in a foreign country where you you know everybody was gunning for you what you what was your experience like in 08 in england
6: you know the track the track was the most difficult thing i walked it and I was like, "Dude, this track is awesome!" Right. And then when I got when I once I got on it, I realized it was super slick. Mm-hmm. Um, I never really felt comfortable. Um, it was just there was something awkward about it, and uh, I you know, even though it, the last model, I felt decent about halfway through, but um, I wouldn't say I never really performed all that well there. Mm-hmm. I just uh, just kind of kept plugging away and and. Uh, was there when James went down, so to capitalize, and we were able to win by only you know a handful of points. So um,
0: well, Let's not, let's not, I mean, you're Captain America. James Stewart went down, couldn't start his bike. We needed you. America <laughs> needed you. And, and, and you know, No, but for reals, when, when James went down, we were doing the math, when James went down, America was going to lose. And, yeah, we,
6: well, we were going to lose by quite a few at that point.
0: Yeah, and then I think you know? some somebody... Somebody crashed, another country's guy crashed, and you passed you know five six guys uh maybe more maybe maybe it 's five or six dozen i don 't even remember and uh, <laughs> and, uh, and you know America won again so but at the end of the day, were you not obviously you were happy, but were you a little bit bombed on your individual performance
6: you know I, I really wasn 't actually i was i uh, mean just kind of the way we won right at the end was was enough excitement to I was kind of, no, I was kind of totally over it. Um, it, I, I just didn't feel right. I, I actually, I, I got hurt in, the, in Supercross, and I got hurt in the outdoors. Mm-hmm. And right before Washougal, um I had a big crash in my house, and I wasn't even going to race Washugal. Yeah. And um, I had a mishap over we, a really big jump. We can uh, on my
0: feet. We, we, can, uh, we can spill the beans now. Your bike locked up coming up the face of a jump.
6: <laughs> yeah, I basically jumped off about a hundred foot jump, landed my feet. Right. And uh <laughs> I hurt I hurt my low back and my and my it messed up my both my hips and uh actually cracked a vertebrae in my back. Uh-huh. Well I ended up racing in Washugal yeah. and uh yeah, I think like I don't know, like around tenth or so that weekend and I kept thinking, Man, I need to pull out of this race, I need to pull out of this race and uh and everybody around me kept saying, Just you know, give it another week, give it another week. Yeah. And um so it really wasn't that long and next thing you know motocross nations was here and, and i never really felt like i ever got back to even to in ending my ending my racing career i never recovered from uh, that crash and uh, right before marsugal in 08 uh, even the next year i was never the same rider so it's good point it's
0: um, good point because before you you, yeah. you you broke your heel at daytona things weren't going that smooth
6: no, I, I really had, and I I just never really said much because my bike broke, so I don't want to like back yeah. on the bike. But, right. um, but I I have a uh, hip problem, and uh, you know that kind of still bothers me till this day. But I just was never able to kind of get get my groove back. Um, even even that next year, yeah. just, so something was uh, something was missing. I mean, I was I think my best finish was a I think a fifth at the first race, or fourth, and then after that it was like a ninth. So and, uh, your,
0: hip, your hips hurt when you go out to your mailbox, check your mail? Uh, is that – uh,
6: Among a lot of other things. Is that yeah.
0: excruciating for you, excruciating? Um, no, I'm, yeah. kid, I'm kidding. Um, so taking your motocross to nations, uh, is it possible to determine which one you were more nervous at, the most nervous at? I mean, was it, was it on your – was it the first time? Was it on your home soil? Or, or was it 08 when you weren't confident in your bike or your body? Or the track in your body, I should say, not your bike. In the in your track, is there one that was uh, more sketchy for you personally than than another?
6: You know, the the most nervous I was 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 Zolder um, in the I, beginning because but, I was working on your bike. Just, yeah, I mean, even before I got on the track, I was thinking, man, <laughs> this could be a bad deal. <laughs> uh, I don't know. This, that was my first real experience, and uh, so just going out for practice it's really weird because when your nerves get you. You have anxiety. You feel like your heart rate's at, you know, one fifty. Yeah. You're just sitting there, and um, I remember having those feelings going into Zolder. And then, uh, you know, Bud's Creek didn't bother me. I think it's just because I felt really good in that track, right? And
0: um, you knew you guys. I mean, you know, Carmichael and Villapoto, like it was looking good. You know?
6: Yeah, we had a, we had a good team, and that race I was just super relaxed, um, and everything was fine. Now, 08 was, was a little bit tougher because, you know, we were racing over there. Mm-hmm. And uh anytime you ever go to Europe, those dudes ride really, really fast, especially on their tracks. I,
0: I, so, you, you always you always make the comment at these nations, dude, there are guys passing me that I don't know who they are. I've never heard of some of these guys that are passing me.
6: <laughs> no, you're, you're, there is. I mean, and, you know, it's like going to freaking – it's like – some European guy or maybe even American guy going to Southwick yeah. and there's some guy you never even heard of with, with a three digit number that just blows past you. Right. So right. that's just kind of the vibe you would get when you get, when you go to Europe and, um, cause we don't, we don't follow their racing as much as, Um uh, well, uh, you don't let's say, <laughs> well, I mean, it's not on TV and it's not, you know, in every magazine. Right. So, right. um, so a lot of times you don't know who they are, and you don't know how to size them up and how to ride with them. And um, that's one thing I actually enjoy about racing with Ramon in '07. Right. Um, I got to kind of learn who he was about riding instead of riding behind him. So right. Um, that was kind of cool.
0: Um, yeah. So 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 it's probably the first one then, huh?
6: Yeah, the first one was just you know overwhelming. You know, because to, to be selected for motocross nations is one thing, but to be an American and selected is a different. Yeah. Because. We have so many really good riders here.
2: Mm-hmm.
6: Um, you know, it's really hard to get in. So when you get, for the most part, when you're American, you get in, dude, you're at the top. So yeah. um, it's a pretty pretty amazing feeling.
0: Um, and that Zolder race, too, you remember we went to Lomo to practice. You blew up a tranny in one of your motors. I uh, had to get parts fixed. <laughs> so, I don't just, remember that, actually. Oh, yeah, you blew up a tranny, and we're just, oh, God, it was terrible. And I was just, I mean, just hey. one thing after another. And I remember, too, like your bike it, I jetted it, and it was running good, and I'm not kidding you, the temperature in that main event at the end of the day probably dropped 20 degrees. It was so cold by the time that main event wrapped up. Your bike was popping everywhere because it was too yeah. lean, and, and I was just like, oh, this thing, you know? Like, yeah, no,
6: it, it, one thing that, really, that I really struggle with personally being from Florida is riding in cold weather.
0: Yeah, you were not um, happy. You were not happy all weekend. No,
6: I was not happy, and... uh So, Zolder was cold, and really, England was very cold. Um, I want to say there was a couple of snow flurries on Saturday in England. So, it's just, I I don't do well when it's cold. I'm more relaxed when it's super hot. Yes. And uh, I'm from South Florida, so. I
0: can attest to that. The Minneapolis, Indianapolis, St. Louis Supercrosses, nothing but a bitch fest from Tim Ferry, no doubt about it. Um, Doesn't do well with that weather. But, uh, um, and also, too, one thing I want to bring up about your Motocross the Nations thing you were never the number one guy, and I don't know if you ever really got the good gate picks, did you? you it was always a fight.
6: Uh, no, I, every every moto I ever lined up with, um, I took twenty first gate pick. Right um, at Bud's Creek, I gave it to um, Ricky. I gave it to Villapoto yeah, well, Ricky. Yeah, Villapoto and Ricky. Uh, yeah. Villapoto first, and then Ricky because Ricky was the you know he was a top guy. And uh, so we're like, uh, we're going into the end. And uh, he originally was going to give it to me. And then uh, I want to say he, he messed up one motorway like crash or something. And uh, so they were like, you know what, let's just put him there. So I went 21st. I'm not known as a starter. So uh, yeah. None those of 21st me- gate picks were, were definitely a little bit harmful for me.
0: Yeah, none of your designations were easy prime gate positions, I guess. And only a super fan like myself would know that. But uh, I, it is something that did come up. You know, I did uh, a bunch of these with the other guys, and that all came up at the same time. You know, I mean, Lachine had to start back row on a 125 against 500s and 250s, you know. So there's always that kind of stuff that people don't realize, too. There's sacrifices made. Now, how'd you get along with – another another question I've asked every guy. How'd you get along with your teammates in all the years that you went? I mean, um, you know, it's no secret that you and Carmichael at times uh, battled out on the track and and maybe even off the track a little bit here and there. How'd you get along with all your teammates uh, all the years?
6: Um, I would say, I'd say fairly well. I would say 08 was probably the best year. Uh, me, me and Bill Poto were in a motorhome, and then James had a, a motorhome just across from us. Mm-hmm. Um, we all were, were Cali guys. We were around each other. So
2: yeah.
6: that was that was kind of an easy deal. But Creek, I never even really seen my teammates because um, <laughs> yeah. we all had our own semis. Right. So everybody was at their own truck. Um, 03 was, was kind of a joke a little bit because... Yeah, um,
0: I don't think I ever ta- saw I Rhino all day. Yeah,
6: I don't. I never saw Rhino really, and then and I never saw Carl Michael. He was off hanging out at Stephan Everett's house or doing some kind of TV or interviews right. and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we were uh, we were not really hanging out, right? You know, as as a team. Now I say in 08, we went. We all stayed at the same hotel. That was kind of cool, right? Um, and even after the race is over, there's an after party at the Alpine Star thing. So that's over. Everybody's back at the hotel. There's a little bar there and
0: stuff. So yeah, um, yeah, a little, little different, little different deal when you're in your home soil, huh? Um, yeah. So yeah. uh, I guess, I guess the, the the next question I had for you was, what what do you do with motocross nation's trophies? Where are they at? I know this already, um, but I'm asking it for the listeners.
6: I'm gonna walk around real
0: quick and look. Did you? Ha- <laughs> they're upstairs. Are uh, they upstairs?
6: Yeah, they're upstairs. No, uh, they're not. Yeah, they're somewhere. Hey, hey, that's funny you say that because at my track, all um, well, my friends lives there now. And uh, there's a shed there. There's a bunch of 125 trophies in it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, one of his buddies came over and was freaking out, a Canadian guy. And uh, he's like, he's like, oh, my God, there's trophies in here. And I didn't even know they were there.
0: <laughs> they're that they're <laughs> that valuable to you.
6: <laughs> uh I guess they're upstairs next to uh, Motocross Nations bike.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which, yeah, you have the whole bike um, from the Motocross yeah, Nations that was upstairs. Cool. Yeah, which is really cool. Kelly yeah. gave it to you.
6: Yeah, in '08 they were gonna crush it or take it apart, disassemble that. The next year they were going to a new bike. So, yeah, um, Kurt was like, "Hey, you know, would you be interested in having a bike?" So, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, no, super cool momentum. moment mom. Momento. Momento. Uh, and you got all your gear and everything else. Uh uh, it's cool. And you got me a couple of jerseys from uh from those days too. You didn't sign one. But um yep. uh definitely uh, an exciting time. So the Motocross the Nations to you, just uh, very, very memorable, very uh career highlight, right?
6: Yeah, it was it was cool. I mean I've I've raced, you know, so many other races in the US and I've only raced three of those events, so yep. Um, you know, it's easy to single them out, but at the same time, you know, when you're talking about races that people are going to remember, mm-hmm. if anybody was ever at Buds Creek,
0: um, they bring it up they remember it. <laughs> oh,
6: dude. They, they, if I go to the track now, right. they will talk about it. They did, last summer when I was with Trey, yeah. people come up, there would be 30, 40, 50 year old guys come up to me. That was the best race I've ever been to in my entire life. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So that was just kind of the. the well- before, the event.
0: before I let you go, let's talk about uh, you actually were helping Trey out at Lakewood. And it was, a, again, a U.S. race on U.S. soil. Did you see a lot of what happened to you at Bud's Creek happened to Trey Kennard? Um, you know, like, was it sort of the same same kind of deal? Was he nervous? Was Were you I, trying to I, tell him?
6: Know, I think he was nervous. I don't think Trey ever I, – I know for a fact he never performed um, quite as well as he really could have. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a couple guys. I think maybe one of them was Roxanne, yeah, and there Rock- was a couple guys. I was like, "Whoa, who are these guys?"
0: Yeah, Roxanne. Uh, yeah, because
6: i would never seen him ride. Obviously, he's like sixteen years old. So,
0: well, dude, you don't follow um, you don't follow the sport at all. Let's. I mean, that's another podcast for another time. But you don't. I'm surprised if you know who won Southwick. You know,
6: well, I, I can I can keep you know I watch on TV here, but we I wish I like the GPS and stuff, but we don't get no coverage, yeah, so right. it's really hard to follow it. You know. <laughs>
0: Um, well, you can always so, read. You can always read your favorite website.
6: Which one is that?
0: Uh, Motor Drive.
6: Motor Drive, yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm gonna quit reading Motor Drive. There's so much negative stuff on there. They're kind of <laughs> they're bringing me. They're bringing me down. Wow,
0: that's bold words, man. Bold words. You're gonna quit reading Motor Drive. A lot of a um, lot, lot of
6: negativity. Hey, if I want to find out anything, I just go to Motor Drive because they'll pull it off of Trans World, or they'll pull it off everywhere. Yeah. What
0: about Pulpomax, um, buddy? What about Pulpomax?
6: Nope. I hardly ever go there, to be honest. Uh, I think no. I think Trey was. I think he was a little bit nervous. Yeah. I think he was bummed. I got the feeling he was kind of bummed he didn't perform any better, but uh-huh. they, they, they won. So
0: yeah. Same. Uh, same. Same idea. Uh, like like you said, you just you just win, and that's the main. And you know what? Talking to everybody, Emig and Glover and Ward and Lachine, everybody just said, "Who cares? You won. The team won. That's yeah. it." You know.
6: And that- well, that was kind of that was kind of the deal, you know. When you, when you talk about gate pick, you're like, dude, I'm in a foreign country. So and so is faster than me. My ego is not going to get in the way right now, and I'm going to fight over this guy to have the first gate pick. Um, yeah. So hey, I took it. I took 21st gate pick, and yeah, uh, those guys were better. And you know they, you know, luckily over in uh, in England, they you know they sealed the deal and yeah made it happen.
0: I uh one time. About a year or so, t- two years ago, I was writing a column about the one the Nations that we that we went to. And I scoured the internet for a good couple hours looking for a starting line shot of the race because I'll tell you why, because Ricky won and got gate number p- gate gate pick one. Everett's got second, yep. got gate Belgium got gate pick two. And then you were twenty first, so the first the first of the second wave of riders to get a pick. Yep. Well, yep. Okay, so you were on 21st, so then you're, next to you should have been Joel Smets, who was Belgium's second yeah. rider. My point is, off the start, I was standing right there in our pit box, the Belgians were like 1, 3, and 5 off the start. And I want to know yeah.
6: how those... So somebody, there was something, talking about, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about Zolder. Yes. And somehow somebody swapped at the last second and one of the, you know, the guys went over to the inside.
0: I'm telling you, If you know you, anything
6: yeah. about GP racing, which I don't know anything, obviously, um, you know that the first gate is always by far the best. So as you go further out, it gets worse and worse and worse.
0: My point is, is I'd like to see a starting line shot and find out how Smets and Ramon, who were 22nd and then 32nd or 35th or whatever, I want to know how Smets and Ramon came out the first turn from way out there. I, 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 I couldn't find one, though. If anybody's listening, it was yeah. a starting line shot, 03 Zolder, please send it through because I think the Belgiums <laughs> were cheating bastards. So.
6: yeah, they might have been. That was a, uh, man, that, I'll tell you what, I can still picture Everts and was it Smets and yeah, I don't know. It was, but,
0: that was Ramon. Uh, your guy?
6: Th- was it Ramon? Yep. It, no, not, no, it wasn't Ramon. Yes, enough, it was Ramon reality. on a KTM
0: 125. Guarantee you.
6: Really? Yep. So I remember just watching them and how excited they were. Um, you know, they were in their home country. I think they're president yep. or their prime minister, whatever they call it. No, it was, it was the, the king.
0: There's an actual king. Yep. And I was standing there at the podium with all of you guys. You guys were on the podium. I was on the ground with the other team members. And the security guard, like, elbowed me in the back and was like, You <laughs> must move. You must move. The king is coming. The king is coming. And I was like, McGrath's here? What? You're looking for McGrath? Yeah, no, I like, but I was just thinking. <laughs> I was like, McGrath's here? What? And, they, like, they were just the, – these bodyguards were just clearing everyone out because the king was coming to talk to the winning team, so.
6: Yeah, whoever the king is. But yeah. anyways, yeah. I was looking at them, and they were so excited to beat us, and I was just – I was, it just infuriated me. I can still <laughs> picture their faces right now. Yeah. So uh, so that'll tell you how bad it is to lose Motocross Nations.
0: Yeah, and here we are in 2011. <laughs> you're still talking about it.
6: Yeah. Uh, I mean, not to mention you you get home, and you're just, like, going – Yeah. Yeah, uh, what what bad stuff are people gonna write, you know, about us, losing? and Yeah. So no oh
0: well. uh well said. Hey, uh thanks Red Dog for doing this. Uh, uh thank you for yep. doing a look back on the More Cross the Nations. I'm sure uh the fans coming up in uh, in France with uh Baggett, Filippo, and Dungey are going to uh appreciate these uh these little podcasts from everybody. Thanks, man. All
6: right, cool. No worries. See ya.